Cost 87 Crap is Fat Cats, supporters of a podcast that does exist in the shadowy realm of the litter box turned fuckery. Here's our Fat Cats. Matthew Bernard, Jason Glace, Lucifina Lightbringer, Jess McGarland, Donald Fisher, David Carpenter, Justin Hooper, Jake Fogg, Ryan Myers, Jonah Barney, and Shauna Johnson. Thanks for the hundred bucks a month, and thank you to all the patrons at Patreon.com. Yeah, it's a Disney marathon. We're doing the Disney thing. Sleep, sleep, little baby. Sleep, little baby, you sleep. Scott Cuss is here to harvest your fears and show you the horrors of life. It's Scott Cuss Nursery Rhymes. <laughs> really fairy tales, but whatever. Well, hello, you little mistakes your parents made. Yeah. It's time once again for Scott Cuss Nurse Fairy Rhymes. Yeah. And nobody does dark-ass chitrin tales like Brothers Grimm. You're scary. But you should be scared, chitrin, because the world hates you. Yeah. This is Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Once upon a time, it was the middle of winter. And you know how winter do. You know, it was cold as fuck and it was snowing. And as it snowed, a queen looked out the window. Oh my god, I'm pretty. She said, remarking at the shiny snow. That's pretty. Now, the queen was busy giving herself a tattoo on her shoulder of a skeleton devil. This is gonna look sweet. But then on accident, she took the tattoo gun and pricked her finger. Oh, fuck. And from her dumb finger, three drops of dumb blood fell into the snow. Uh-oh. And when she saw how red the blood was, she had a stupid thought in her stupid brain. Oh my god, this blood looks like slutty lipstick. She said, dabbing her new tat with alcohol. Uh, one day, I have a child with blood red lips and snow white skin and dark hair as dark as this, whatever this is. She said, pointing to the black wooden window frame. Red window frame. And as luck would have it for the story, she had a child that looked just like she wanted. Oh my god, yeah. The baby was born pasty as fuck with black hair and red lips. Oh my god, I'm the name of Snow White. But soon after the princess was born, the queen died. Oh, fuck. And after a year had gone by, the king found himself a new oh, wife. I'll meet your new mommy. The king said proudly as his new wife was beautiful. Hey, Snow White, I'm your new mom. But Snow White was just a baby and said baby shit. <laughs> now, as I mentioned, the new queen was beautiful. I'm 60. But the new queen was very proud of her looks. I'm fucking hot. So proud, indeed, that she could not bear to be surpassed in beauty by anyone. Fuck those whores. Yikes. And lucky for her, she had a magic mirror. Yeah, put the looking glass over there. Be careful with it, it's magic. And because she was a rancorous bizot, she had a good time ordering those little fucking assholes around. Okay, good enough. Get, get the fuck out of here. I saw you looking at my ass. And they were, because it was Disney, and they drew that ass bubblicious. Oh, yeah. Now, when she looked in the magic mirror, she said, Magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And without hesitation, the magic looking glass said, You are the fairest of them all, my lady. And she smiled. Fuck yeah, I am. And she was satisfied, for she knew the mirror only spoke the truth. Hey, do my best. Now, seven years passed, and Snow White grew prettier and prettier. My Snow White, how beautiful you've grown to be. The king said, helping with exposition. Oh, thank you, father. Snow White said, blessing. Now that you're eight years old, we should talk about getting you arranged marriage. The king said. Oh, goody. And at this point, Snow White was as beautiful as the day. And the queen, being the jealous dickhead that she was, went to the mirror and said, Magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of us all? And the mirror answered, hey, Queen, you are full fair, it's true. Yeah, she got my ass. Hey, but little Snow White is fairer than you. The pretty creepy mirror said. Wait, what'd you say? Hey, this news fucked with the queen's head big time. You magic glass cunt, fuck you. Hey, but the queen knew that the mirror never lied. Hey, sorry, please don't smash me. But the queen didn't smash the mirror, but she became red with fury. I'm gonna get that fucking Snow White if it's the last thing I do. And her hate for the child grew like weeds in her heart. Mm. Each day getting more, you know, weedy. Fuck that little kid. And with each day, her mind twisted more and more until she had no peace during the day or night. I hate that shit. And fuming, she at last sent for a huntsman. You sent for me, my queen. The huntsman said all huntsman-like. Yeah, I want you to kidnap the princess and kill her. The queen said with a crazed look in her eye. Oh, that's a pretty big ask, my queen. You fucking kill her, I'll kill you, and you bring me a hat so I'll know. And the huntsman consented. I knew I shouldn't 
got a job with the government. When he kidnapped little Snow White. Excuse me, motherfucker. I'm sorry, I'm going to throw you in a bag now. Hey, no, no, and the huntsman no. led her away to the woods. I'm not sure where in the Bible it says it's okay to kill children. Oh, wait, here and here and here and here. He said, pointing out a few Bible verses randomly. Oh, man, I wonder if I can get God to do it with some bears like Alicia did. He said, referencing the part of the Bible where bears kill children because a bald guy asked God to do it for him because they made fun of him for being bald. And then God was like, sure. Now that's mysterious ways. But alas, no bears came to kill the children. Oh. Probably because the huntsman wasn't a good enough Christian. Oh, come on. So he was left to do the bidding of the queen. Sorry about this. Now, what are you doing with that sword? And as he was about to pierce the little Chitrin's heart, Die, Chitrin! Snow White began to weep and said, What kind of fucking monster kills a Chitrin? She cried. I'm just doing my job, kid. I need that pension. He said, betraying humanity, Ingly. What? No, what? Nothing. Then the Chitrin pleaded. Look, fuck stand, Just let me go. I'll go in the woods and no one will ever see me again. And in that moment, the huntsman's heart softened. Wow. Well, For you see, Chitrin, the little girl was pretty. And pretty people get what they want. Welcome to the justice of Earth. Life is super unfair. Get the fuck over it. Goddamn. Anyway, the huntsman was like, All right, pretty girl, get the fuck out of here. Go on, get. You got it, dick cheese. And she ran as fast as she could into the forest. And the huntsman, now realizing that he betrayed his queen, thought to himself, Oh, fuck, I'm gonna be killed for this. And he for sure was. But then he thought, Well, surely she won't survive the predators of the forest. And that made him feel good, because he was kind of a psycho. Yeah, kind of. And at that moment, a deer ran by. Yeah, and it killed yeah. it and took its heart out and gave it to the queen. As you commanded, my queen, the princess's heart. And upon seeing the heart, she had her cooks cook it up and she ate that shit. You fucking know it. And that's not Scatcast fucking with you. That's Brothers Grimm fucking with you. I just watched a rich lady eat a chitron's heart. But only the huntsman knew it was actually a Bambi heart. Yep, if you could keep that down. But the queen couldn't hear me and thought that was the end of Snow White. Chitron are delicious. Now, when the poor little mayo skinned chitron found herself quite alone in the wild woods, oh, she wow. found that the woods were scary as fuck. This place is scary as fuck. She even jumped at the sound of the leaves on the trees. It's still better than being murdered by a dipshit at the behest of another dipshit. She reasoned. Then she heard a noise. Mr. Fungal. And she ran as fast as she could over sharp stones and through them thorn bushes. And as she ran, wild beasts ran alongside of her, but they didn't attack her. Hello. <laughs> oh, my. And she ran as far and fast as her little fika carrier, which was like 13 miles because she was a little badass. Thank you, I appreciate that. And her marathon sprint led her to a tiny little house in the woods. Oh, look at that cute little house. She said as she shouldered the door open and broke in. <gasps> and she went inside to rest. I'll just make myself at home. And immediately she noticed that everything was small. Oh, please say I didn't end up in like Narnia or something. Now, everything in the house was clean and tidy. Nice. And there was a little table that was already laid. Tight. And there were seven little plates and seven little knives and forks and drinking cups. All right, there's seven little fucking something. And along the wall, there were seven little tiny beds side by side covered with clean little white quilts. Yeah, but I bet if I took a black light to them. All right. Anyway, Snow White, being very hungry and thirsty, she oh, no. ate from each oh. plate a little bit of porridge and a little bit of bread and drank out of each little cup. Oh, is that wine? Shit. She took several more sips. I like booze now. And she continued to nibble off of each plate. What are these bugs? So as not to diminish any one portion. I'm an altruistic person who breaks into people's homes. And after her meal and wine, she was tired like anyone would be. Oh, look, beds. And so she went to the first bed. There we go. And because she was used to the beds of her royal palace, Bougie. she was not impressed with the mattress on the floor situation she had going on there. What the fuck? And it was also too short. Seriously. But then the next bed was too long. Uh, and the next one was too crusty. Definitely should blacklight this bitch. But when she got to the seventh bed, that shit was tight. This'll do. And she fell into a deep slumber. Then many hours later, when it was dark, the masters of the house came home. What's the way you work? Most of us are cunts. And Epstein probably didn't kill himself, but no one gives a fuck. Now, the owners of this house were dwarves, known famously for their participation in the destruction of Saruman and Sauron. Yeah, we're bad motherfuckers. Yeah, fuck yes. And after defeating Sauron, the dwarves went back to mining the mountains. It is golden days. Yeah, mountains full of gold. But as they looked around their house, they noticed it wasn't quite the same as they had left it. Hey, what the fuck is this? A dwarf named Punchy said. Then somebody's been eating my shit. The dwarf Stabby said. Somebody's been sitting in my chair. A third dwarf named Dick Kicky said. And then all seven dwarves noticed shit, and they all had stupid names. I'm being socky. Then one of them noticed the bed situation. Hey, look at this shit. What the fuck is this? Someone had been lying on their beds. Well, they didn't use the black lights. Said Krusty. <laughs> but the seventh dwarf noticed something peculiar in his bed. Yeah, there's a 
kid in my bed. Bill, let's eat it. And they all gathered around to look at Snow White. God damn, it's a pretty kid. Said the dwarf who was in his late 200s. What, I'm just saying. Right, it seemed creepy, but the dwarves weren't creepy. Not with the good guys. Yeah, tell that to Krusty. <laughs> but they were the good guys, and they let her sleep on. Sleeps is yeah. And the seventh dwarf slept on the couch. Yeah, it's fine. And when it was morning, Snow White awoke and saw the seven dwarfs. <gasps> and the spooked her something awful. Holy fuck, who are you? But the former soldiers of King Aragon were nice and shit. Yeah, we're the good guys. Yeah, we're good sis. And because they were friendly and kind, she felt comfortable. Yeah, what's your name, sis? Punchy ass. My name's Snow White. And they asked her why she broke the door in. Oh, sorry. And she told him the story of how her stepmother had wished to put her to death, and how the huntsman had spared her life, and how she had run a fucking marathon to get there. And then you're a badass, Snow White. Yes. Oh, thanks, guys. And so the dwarves made a deal with her. She could trade food and board for doing chores. Well, I'm a princess. But she figured this was probably her best bet. Fuck it, I'm with you guys. And so she stayed and kept the house in immaculate order. Oh my god. She said, pulling ropes of beard hair out of the shower drain. Oh. In the mornings, the dwarves went to the mountain to dig for gold. And when they got home, Snow White had food ready for them each night. I hope you guys like squash and beans. Yes. All day long, the maiden was left alone, and the good dwarves, knowing her situation, said, yeah, Beware your stepmother. Yeah, she'll eventually find out that you're here. Oh, yeah, that's true. So don't let anybody in this. Yeah, nobody in this. And Snow White agreed. I think I'm really going to focus on me now. Meanwhile, the evil queen, who thought she had eaten Snow White's heart, went to the mirror and said, Magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of us all? And the talking glass said, Hey, queen, thou art of beauty rare. <laughs> but Snow White living in the glen <laughs> with seven little men <laughs> is a thousand times more fair. And the queen was not pumped about that. What the fuck did you just say? Hey, please don't smash me. But the queen couldn't be angry at the mirror, for it always spoke the truth. Mm. And she knew that the huntsman must have deceived her. Dead motherfucker. And that Snow White was alive somewhere. And up with which I cannot put. So in her envy-fueled madness, she concocted a plan. Mm. First she arrested the huntsman and had his balls cut off and shoved in his mouth. <laughs> you shouldn't have fucked with me. And then she painted her face and dressed herself like an old peddler woman. Mm. And in her disguise, she crossed seven mountains until she came to the seven dwarves' domicile. And she knocked on the door. Fine ways to sell. I have fine ways. And Snow White heard the noise and peeped her head out the window. Good day, good woman. What do you have to sell? She said, smiling cheerfully. Oh, I got nice shit, like dresses and stuff. And Snow White was intrigued. She thought to herself, I'm not supposed to allow anybody in, but I do need new laces for my dress. And the evil queen in disguise said, I have new laces for your dress. And Snow White said to herself, I need those fucking laces. And so she unbarred the door and bought the pretty laces. <laughs> Here, let me lace you up. The old woman said, Oh, thank you. Then the evil old oh. bat laced her up so quick oh. and tight that it took her breath away. Too tight. Yeah, it is. And she fell down as if she was dead. Now who's the fairest bitch? And the queen went away back to her castle. Now, not long after that, towards the evening, the seven dwarfs came home as usual. Whistle while you work. Fuck the government. And when they saw Snow White lying on the ground without life or motion and assessed the situation with the tight laces, they cut the laces. And she immediately came back to life because that's how bodies work. Oh, thank God. Oh, that was really tight. And when she told the dwarves a story, they said, Yeah, that old lady was an evil queen. Man, in disguises. Yeah. And he said, don't let anybody in. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. And she promised she wouldn't do it again. I promise. Meanwhile, back at the queen's castle, satisfied that she had successfully murdered her children, the queen went to her magic mirror and said, Magic mirror on the wall. Now who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror kind of shook. <laughs> well, I'm fucking waiting. Hey, queen, thou art beauty and rare, but Snow White living in the glen. <laughs> it was seven little men, are a thousand times more fair. I'm sorry. And upon hearing this, the queen smashed some shit. What the shit are you talking about? And she drew her fist back to punch the mirror. <laughs> but then she realized the mirror spoke the truth. Yeah, I knew I should have just cut her fucking head off. <laughs> and then she had an evil idea. I know what to do. For you see, she was a witch. Fuck yeah. And through her witchcraft, she made a poison comb. Boom. And again, she disguised herself as some kind of weird old woman. That looked different now. And she did. And she went across the seven mountains again, back to the dwarves' home. And she knocked on the door, saying, I've got the good ways, good ways to sell. And again, Snow White's head popped out the window. Um, please go away. I'm not allowed to have people over. Thank you. But the queen slash old woman said, Yeah, but you've never been to look, are you? She said, showing Snow White the beautiful comb she had made. Oh, sweet. The sight of the comb pleased the child, for she had rats like crazy in her hair. I'm sorry, ma'am. I can't let you in. But the queen knew the pretty girl wanted to brush 
your hair. You don't have to let me in. You can buy it through the window. And so the children did. Now you won't look like a slob. I don't even know where to begin. Here, let me brush it for you. And as soon as the queen put the comb in the little girl's hair, her body fell to the ground and she was out dead-ish. That's right, bitch. Who's the prettiest now? The queen gloated before she left. And like before, the little dwarves whistled their little song and came home, only to see Snow White lying on the floor again. Goddamn, this kid is dense snazzes. And the dwarves knew immediately it was a stepmother's doing. And they quickly discovered the comb and removed it. Oh. And again, Snow White popped right back to life. You know how that goes. You guys saved me again. And she told him all about the old woman. Look, you gotta be smarter. Yeah, don't be stupid. And the little girl promised she'd be on her guard. And once again, the queen went back to her magic mirror. Magic mirror on the wall. Who's the finest bitch of all? Yeah, I don't want to. Tell me. And the mirror reluctantly said, Hey, queen, thou art beauty rare. Now, for fuck. Snow White is living in the glen. Are you kidding hey, me? With seven little men. Don't hey. lie to me, you motherfucker. Hey, she's a thousand times more fair. I'm sorry. And the queen trembled with anger. I'm gonna murder that little trollop if it's the last thing I do. And so she went into a secret chamber where she hid all her witchy shit. And in a big cauldron, she mixed together a bunch of like eye and newt and like spider eggs and shit. Yeah. And out of the beautiful bubbling ooze came a tantalizing apple. Yeah, look at you. And that beautiful apple just happened to be poison air. It's perfect. And once again, she disguised herself as a traveling old lady salesman, went up the seven mountains, and went to the dwarf's house. Knock, knock, knock. And again, Snow White poked her head out the window and said, Go away, I'm not allowed to have people over. Thank you. Bye bye. And the woman smiled and said, Oh, that's fine. I'll just sell these delicious apples elsewhere. You see, at the time, candy was made of bark, and apples were the treats that Chitrin likes, so she was like, Oh, give me an apple, please, please. But then she thought about what the dwarf said. Don't be fucking stupid. Yeah, you're being stupid. Wait, I probably shouldn't take anything from you. Oh, my dear child. The woman smiled a creepy ass smile. If you're worried about poison, here, let me show you. She cut the apple in half, for you see, the apple was cunningly made. On the reddest side of the apple, it was poison, but on the other side, it was a harmless but delicious apple. Here, I'll eat one side, you eat the other. And oh, how Snow White didn't want to eat bark candy no more. Mmm, it's delicious. And so little Snow White took the second half of the apple and put it to her mouth. Yes. And as the morsel touched her tongue, she fell down dead. And stay down, bitch. And Snow White did. And the queen went home to her magic mirror. Hey, magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of us all? Hey, you are the fairest now of all. And in that moment, her envious heart had peace. Uh, well. Bring me a servant to torture. As much as an envious heart could have, anyway. I hate people. Now, once again, the dwarves came home from a long day in the mines. Take a shit at work. Get paid to have a jerk. Oh, fuck. And there was Snow White lying on the ground again. God damn it. Man, this kid will listen. And the difference this time was she was dead as fuck. Oh, no. And they did everything they could think of. They cut her laces and combed her hair. And they washed her with water and wine. But the poor child was dead. And so for three days, they gathered around the child's body and cried. Why couldn't the child just fucking listen? This stupid children. We should have gotten a babysitter. <laughs> Shut up. And after the three days, when they went to bury her, they were shocked to see that she still looked alive. God damn it, it's creepy. But we can't just hide her away in the ground. One of them said. Yes. So they made a glass coffin so it could be looked into from all sides. And they laid her in it and wrote in big gold letters on the side, Snow White. And that she was the king's daughter. And they set the coffin up upon the mountain. And they took turns keeping watch over her. And for some reason, even the birds came to mourn little Snow White. First came an owl, then a raven, and lastly a pigeon. And for a long time, Snow White laid in the coffin and never changed. She just looked like she was sleeping. And as stories like this tend to go, a handsome prince rode by. Yep, hello. And he saw the beautiful child and thought to himself, Damn, she's hot. She should be my wife. Despite her being, you know, a dead child. I'm a prince. I can do what I want. And so the prince rode to the dwarves' home. They open up in there. Hey, what do you want, Blondie? Yeah, Blondie. No, sell me the dead girl. He said. Then fuck you, sicko. Yeah, what's wrong with you, But the prince pleaded. He was in love with her. She's a dead kid. But the prince offered them riches. But the dwarves denied even all the gold in the world. Please, I beseech you. The prince begged. For I cannot 
live without looking upon Snow White? What the fuck's wrong with this guy? Is humans are fucked up? Yeah, we should probably kill him. No, look, you guys, if you just give me her as a gift, I will make it worth your while. And the prince talked up what he would do for those dwarves like it was the last showcase in the showcase showdown on Price's Red. The new car! Oh, fuck is And eventually the dwarves gave the dead girl to the prince. Excellent. And then a strange thing happened. As the prince's men were carrying the casket, one of them tripped a little bit. Oh, my fur! And it jostled the casket, shaking the little piece of apple out of Snow White's mouth. Oh. <coughs> And just like that, she was awake. Oh, wow, she's alive. That's better. And Snow White sat up and said, Where am I? What's going on? Oh, hey, little girl. Uh, and the prince turned on his charm. Look, I know we don't know each other, and I don't want this to sound creepy. Okay. But I bought you from some dwarves. Uh, well, that's because I thought you were dead. Oh. But now I want you to come to my father's castle, and you can be like my wife or something. And so she did. And we're hoping she magically aged 11 years. And when the day of the wedding came, there was great pomp and splendor. And even the wicked stepmother was invited. And you know how she do. She got all dressed up, and before the wedding, she went to her mirror and said, Magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of us all. And the mirror meekly answered, Oh, queen, although you are of beauty rare, the princess bride is much more fair. And that was a point in which she had it with that fucking mirror. And she hucked it out of her tower window. Yeah! And at first she thought she wouldn't go to the wedding because fuck that bitch. Be prettier than me. But she had to see who was prettier than her. And when the queen reached the wedding and saw the princess bride, she realized that Snow White was alive. Are you kidding me? But Snow White was ready for her. The queen was quickly surrounded and bound and forced to dance all night long in red hot iron shoes. And she was forced to dance all night until she died the end. All right, uh, Chitrin. I guess that's a happy ending. A little vengeance at the end. She died. Yeah, it's okay she died because justice or something. People are mean. That's right, Chitrin. Life is suffering and you're destined for pain. And all your accomplishments are meaningless. See you next time. <laughs> Hey, Scriptkeeper here to tell you about Scat Soap. Oh, it's fucking poop shape. We here at Scatcast tell a lot of poop jokes. It's insufferable. But we also know how to get you clean. This is the weirdest podcast. And I'm not fucking around when I say we actually sell soap. Wow, this poop soap actually smells really good. Yeah, Steve, we buy this shit from Amara B and pass the savings on to you. It's actually very expensive. Oh, fuck. I'm well, kidding. It's reasonably priced as fuck. What? I'm sleeping with the lady that runs the company. Oh, shit. Anyway, we really have soap. We have Dr. Schmoggy Scat Soap. And it really seriously looks like poop. <laughs> yeah. Quite the conversation starter, I guess. Or relationship ender. It's multi-purpose, Steve. Yikes. But we also have Dr. Schmogie's Minoc Ejecta. Gross. And Gormac Poodoo. What the fuck is a Gormac? It might be Garmac. I'm very lazy. What are we doing with our lives? I'm selling soap with my podcast, Steve. Yikes. But I'm telling you, every time you use this soap, you can think about Scatcast and how we're making your butthole clean. Yikes. And proceeds of the soap go to me. What a great cause. Yeah, because the depression's coming, and yeah. I want you guys to be clean. Mm-hmm. Be clean and listen to the mm-hmm. Scatcast. I will sell you soap, and then I will make you feel dirty. No, I see what you've done. I'm an evil cunt, Steve. Yep. And if you think about it, I'm probably the only soap company that's ever advertised by saying I'm a cunt, Steve. I'm sure that won't haunt you in the future. Right? Wait, what? Nothing. Dr. Smoggy's Scat Soap by Scatcast. Ugh. Wash your dick and or lady dick with our podcast soap. What a weird world. Clean your junk with our shit! It's Scatcast Nursery Rhymes. <laughs> really fairy tales, but whatever. Welcome back, you little shit muffins. Yeah. We sure got a special one for you this week. Yeah. Once again, we return to Brothers Grimm, and this time it's Cinderella. But ain't no fairy godmothers in this shit. And holy fuck, let there be blood. This is Scatcast Nurse Fairy Rhymes presents Cinderella. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a rich man. Hello. And so his wife lay sick, and when she felt her end drawing near, she called to her only daughter to come near her bed, and she said, Hey, daughter. Yeah, mom. Cinderella responded, Hey, come close to me, child. Okay, mama. Hey, promise mama you will always be pious and good. Eh? I promise, mama. If you do that, I will make sure God and I take good care of you from heaven. Eh? Okay, mama. I'll always be with you. Eh? And with that, her eyes closed, and she expired. <laughs> mama. And the young maiden went to her mother's grave every day and wept. Oh, mama. And she was always pious and good. I don't double-click my mouse or nothing. And when winter 
winter came, the grave was covered in deep snow. It's cold, Mama. And when the sun came in the early spring, that rich man took himself another wife. Oh, hey, Cinderella, this is your new mom. Excuse me? And from the get-go, the new wife didn't seem to like Cinderella. Look at this bitch. The new wife said. Uh-oh. And then the rich man said. And here are your two new stepsisters, beautiful and fair. What's up, bitch? Yeah, bitch. Hey. While they were beautiful and fair in appearance, their hearts were dark and ugly. Well, Cinderella, you need to lose like 10 pounds. I'll list. They jabbed. Damn. And so began a very shitty period in Cinderella's life. Mother, we're not supposed to hang out with this stupid bitch, are we? What, this bitch? No way. Yeah, dumb bitch. And the gratuitous cursing ensued. And they took away Cinderella's nice dresses. Oh, these are all just my size. It's just our size. Oh. And they threw her in an old gray kirtle and gave her shitty wooden shoes to wear. These hurt my feet. Shut up, bitch. And she was quickly relegated to maid duty. Oh. And she was given only moldy bread to eat. Oh, thanks, Dad. Matt, what's going on? I'm oblivious. I'm busy trying to be rich. What do you need? Yeah, my life's a living hell. Matt, you're probably just going through a phase. Why don't you dye your hair jet black and listen to some emo music? Thanks, Dad. And every day Cinderella would walk through the house. Look at proud Cinderella and how decked out she is now. They cried laughing. Go get the dinner ready, bitch. The stepmother said. And in the kitchen, Cinderella did all the heavy work. Oh, my back. She got up early in the morning to draw water, make the fires, cook and wash. And all the while, her sisters tormented her. Hey, you missed the spot, dumb bitch. Yeah, over here, bitch. The sisters would say as they made messes as they went. Why did you poop in the corner? Clean it, bitch. And so it went for some time. She was mocked for her looks. Your face is stupid, bitch. Okay. She was mocked for her cooking. Peas and lentils, bitch. Don't throw it out Almost every meal Cinderella would end up wearing. It's me, girls. Thanks, Bob. Uh, thanks, Bob. Father, what the fuck? I can't pay attention right now, rich guy stuff. And so more and more abuse Cinderella would take. And in the evenings, when she was tired from working her ass off, she had no bed to lie in. Wait, where's my bed? Oh, is that your bed? We give it to our pig, Oinker. Yeah, he's a good boy. Good give me a fucking break. And so Cinderella slept on the floor, and she always looked dusty and dirty. And that happened one day that her father went to the fair. Yeah, not for fun, but for business. Right, we get your motivations. And before he left, he asked his two stepdaughters what they would like. Bring us a bunch of fucking expensive clothes, you ass. The one daughter said. Oh, it's like diamonds from Tiffany. The other daughter said. And what about you, Cinderella? What would you like? And Cinderella responded. The first twig, father, that strikes against your hat on the way home. Say what now? The twig from a tree. All right, so fine clothes, a yeah. bunch of jewelry, yeah. and a twig. Thank you, father. And after doing business at the fair, he rode through a foresty part and a hazel twig struck against his hat. Oh, yeah, my weird daughter wants a twig. He said stopping and breaking off the branch and carrying it home with him. That kid's gotta be on drugs. And when he reached home, he gave the stepdaughters what they had wished for. What is this shit? Said one of the daughters. This isn't Tiffany's. The other daughter said. Oh, my God damn, you're welcome. And then he gave Cinderella the hazel twig. Oh, it's perfect, father. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And she ran from the house to her mother's grave and planted this twig there, and weeping so bitterly that the tears fell upon it and watered it. And because magic or something, it quickly flourished and became a fine tree. Whoa. And so Cinderella went to see it three times a day and wept and prayed. And one time, a little white bird showed up. Oh, hey, little bird. Hey, hello, Cinderella. The bird responded. Wait, you can talk? Hey, yes. Weird. And then the bird said, Because you are pious and good, I will grant you any wish you want. And then Cinderella was like, Fuck yes, kill my stepmom and stepsisters. And the bird did. The end. Mangus, goddammit. What? That's how that would have worked. We just read the script. All right, all right. Back that shit up a little bit. Cinderella didn't wish for the untimely death of her stepfamily. But instead, she tested out the little bird and asked for a churro. When she realized the churro was good, she was given confidence in the little bird's powers and asked for superpowers. Specifically including Wolverine knife hands, Superman's x-ray vision, and Batman's trust fund. And then she killed her own stepfamily. The end. All right, she asked for the churro. She thought it was good, and then she went home. Just read the fucking script. Well, now she had a magic bird friend, and that was kind of cool. Now, as time went on, she didn't abuse the little bird's powers. A churro here, a little journal that she could write down her thoughts about how much she hates her sisters there, you know, and the occasional robot arms to destroy her enemies. Yes, fuck. Now it came to pass that the king ordained a festival 
that should last for three days. And everybody was excited. And like some sort of rich guy meat market, all the beautiful women in the land were to show up and show off their titties and shit. And guess so that the prince could choose a bride amongst them. And when the two stepdaughters heard that they were to be invited, they were very pleased. Hey, bitch. One of them said to Cinderella, bring your ass in here and comb our hair and brush our shoes and make our buckles fast. Yeah, buckle my shit, bitch. Yeah, one of us is sure to get that prince D. And when she heard this, Cinderella was sad. And she wept as she combed her two stepsisters' hair. For she too would have liked to go to the dance. Please, stepmother, may I go to the dance too? What, you, Cinderella? She said with disgust. You know, you're dust and dirt. You want to go to the festival? Yes. You have no dress and no shoes and you want to go dance. You guys took all my shit. And so the stepmother's eyebrow raised up and she said to her stepdaughter, How about this, bitch? I just threw a dish full of lentils in those ashes, so if you can pick them all up in an hour, you can go with it. But she looked over at the mess and was like, oh, fuck. Why is she such a bitch? She thought to herself and the maiden ran to the back door that led into the garden and called out, Oh, gentle doves, oh, turtle doves and all the birds that be, the lentils that in the ashes lie, come and pick up for me. And a bunch of birds flew in from all over the place and Cinderella commanded, You guys gotta put the good stuff in the dish. You can eat the crap, though. And the house was filled with birds, chirping and fluttering and shitting like birds do. And they picked, packed, picked all the good grains into the dish. And when they were finished, they flew away, cleaning up their poop after them because that would have got her in a lot of trouble, too. Yeah, thanks, birds. And Cinderella was so excited, she brought the dish to her stepmother. Here. For she was certain now that she could go to the dance. But when the stepmother saw the dish, she was not happy. How the fuck did this bitch get this done? She thought to herself, I did what you asked. May I go to the dance now? Cinderella said with a smile. And again, the stepmother's eyebrow raised. No, Cinderella. Oh. You don't have proper clothes and you don't know how to dance and you would make a laughing stock of a family. What do you mean I don't know how to dance? I said what I said. Oh, please. And so the stepmother grabbed the plate of lentils and she tossed it back in the ashes. If you can pick two dishes full of lentils out of the ashes nice and clean, you can go with this. And knowing that was impossible, Cinderella thought to herself, stab, stab, stab. But Cinderella was like, fuck it, I have magic bird friends. So she went to the back door into the garden and cried, oh gentle doves, oh turtle doves and all the birds that be. My stepmom's being a really dumb bitch and I'd like you to help me, please. And so once again, they did. Little doves and turtle doves shitting everywhere. And of course, that little white bird. Hello, Cinderella. Hello, thank you so much. Uh, let me know if you want me to kill that bitch. Eh? I totally will. And then half the time they took before, they put the grains into two dishes. And because they were magic, it like doubled or something. Nice. Then the maiden took the dishes to the stepmother, feeling joyful. Oh, she can't deny me now. I did the thing. But once again, upon seeing the task complete, the stepmother's eyebrow raised. And then they veed in disgust. You still can't go. She said coldly. What? You have no proper clothes and you cannot dance and you'd put us to shame. And she turned her back on poor Cinderella. Mm. And with that, her and the two daughters went to the dance. And with her father off doing business and the mean girls at the party, she went to her mother's grave under the hazel bush and cried. Little tree, little tree, shake over me that silver and gold may come down and cover me, she said. Then the little white bird appeared again. Hello, Cinderella. Oh, little magic bird. My home situation sucks ass. Uh, hold still. And just like that, everything changed. Whoa. The bird threw down a dress of gold and silver. Beautiful. And golden slippers with fancy silver and silk in it. Sweet. And her hair was dead up all tight as fuck. Are those extensions? Uh, you know it, bitch. The little bird said, and off to the dance she went. Wow, this is great. And she looked so radiant that even her stepmother and sisters didn't recognize her. Who's that bitch? She must be a foreign princess or something. They speculated, thinking that for certain Cinderella was at home toiling away at some chore. And now enters the prince. Yeah, I'm, I'm the prince in this. And one look at Cinderella in her gold and silver dress. Holy castrate all the men that ever look at her. The prince was immediately smitten. And he danced with her all night. I love you. Oh, well, shucks. And when others would try to interrupt. Your Highness, may I have the next dance? He would say, get fucked, I'm with this one. Oh, my God. And he refused to leave her side. You're so hot, I don't care if you're into crystals and shit. What's wrong with crystals? Don't fuck. And when the evening came to an end, she wanted to go home. Oh, it's time for me to go. But the prince was like, no, let me drive you home. For he wanted to see where the beautiful maiden lived. But she was like, fuck that. If my stepmother finds out I was partying, I'm fucked. So she slipped out of his arms and juked him like Barry Sanders. 
Rogers in 1994. Come back. And she jumped up into a pigeon house. Don't tell on me, pigeon. Why did you jump in a pigeon house? The prince exclaimed to no answer. I, mean, I thought we were having a good time. And being a prince and all, he ordered that the pigeon house be cut down. And when it had been felled, they found that Cinderella was not inside. For she had slipped away around the back and traded her gold and silver clothes for her dirty shit. And when the step bitches returned, they found her in the kitchen, scrubbing the floor. Oh, hey. The next day, when the festival began anew, and Cinderella was left once again alone, she returned to her dead mom's grave and cried, Little magic bird, I'd like to go to the dance again. And once again, the little bird returned. I've got an even better dress than yesterday. I look fucking hot. And once again, Cinderella was the belle of the ball. She shone radiantly as she appeared amongst the guests, and her beauty once again outshined the stepsisters. Fuck that bitch. Fuck that bitch. And the prince had been waiting for her. Yes. And as soon as he saw her, he took her by the hand. Holy fuck, you're hot. Hey, sorry about last night. I do not give a fuck, you're so hot. He said like a walking boner wearing a crown and some tights. And they danced alone all night. And when one of the stepsisters tried to butt in, Your Highness, may I have the next dance? He would say, Yeah, jog on, Trollope. Oh. And when the evening came to an end, the prince tried to accompany her to her house, but she broke away again like Bear Sanders. A little spin move, then no. she stiff-armed him, no, and then geez. she jumped over him. Where did you going? My family, sir! She yelled as she hurtled over one fence and barreled through another. How does she do that in those shoes? And the prince followed her. This isn't creepy at all. And he watched her go right up a pear tree. Why do I keep climbing things? And once again, he got some help with some axes and some saws, and he chopped the tree down. But once again, Cinderella wasn't there. Now this is how you play hard to get. And once again, before the step family returned, Cinderella was on her knees cleaning shit. Hello. Here you go fuck yourself, bitch. On the third day, the pattern continued. Step family went to the thing. Yeah. The little magic bird made an even nicer dress. Damn, I'm hot. And to the party, Cinderella went. And again, the prince had been waiting for her. Upon sight, he said, Dolly Sploosh. And grabbing her hand, he yelled at everyone, She's mine, fuck off. And then he peed on her, oh, marking please. her as his. Angus, goddammit. All right, all right. And he did some other thing to mark his territory, but she was his now. Oh. And just like the two nights before, things got weird when the party died down. I gotta go home. No, you gotta let me take you. No. Then she gave him a juke move to the left, then to the right. Come back. She ducked under his outstretched arms. Please, God, don't leave. And she sprinted down the stairs. But the prince had laid a plan. Knowing she would sprint away from him, he had painted all the steps on the premises with pitch. Well, he didn't do it himself, but he had people do it. Yeah, I'm a rich guy. Nonetheless, she rushed down them stairs and one of her shoes stuck. Gotcha, bitch. And the prince picked it up and saw it was of gold and small and slender. Oh, shit, now I have a foot fetish. He said to himself. And the next morning, he began his obsession to find her. I must have her. He said to his father, the king. Would you hide your shame? Oh, sorry about that, father. He said, trying to hide his chub. But it was decided. The king would use all his resources to help his son find his future brain. And the prince declared to all his people that he wanted to see all the pretty ladies' feet in the kingdom. And the stepsisters thought, fuck yeah. We've got pretty feet. Yeah, we totally got pretty feet. And the stepmother told them, You gotta be the whole flyer, you dumbasses. Sorry, mother. Sorry, mother. It says here he wants to see your feet because there's a golden shoe, and if it fits your foot, you get to be queen. Oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. And the prince had gone door to door. And when they finally came to Cinderella's house, the first stepsister came up to the prince and gave her her foot. I'm sure the foot you're looking for is mine. And the prince looked at the foot, and he placed the shoe on the foot, but it didn't quite fit. But the wicked stepmother intervened. Just one minute, prince. And she took her first daughter aside and said, You're gonna have to chop off your toe. Excuse me, fucking what? The daughter said, Chop off your fucking toe. What's a toe to being queen? Fuck, fine. Give me a knife. I already got one. Uh, and so she sawed off her daughter's big toe. I'm fine. And she shoved her bloody big toeless foot into the slipper. Oh, that's perfect. She said, turning around to the prince. Holy goddamn, you don't really look uh, like I remember, but uh, well, this is great. And so concealing the pain, oh. the daughter jumped in the cart oh. with the prince and they started to ride back to the oh. prince's castle. Is everything okay, my love? The prince asked. These are tears of joy. Well, you look like you cut your toe off to fit it in that shoe or something. Oh, no, no. But as they happened to pass by the grave here, the one that had Cinderella's mother's grave in it. There sat the little white bird and a pigeon. And they said, There they go, there they go. There's blood on their shoe. Yes, the shoe is too small. It's not the right bite at all. And then the prince looked at her shoe more closely and he saw the blood a-flowing. Holy fuck, you actually did chop off your toe. Yeah, I think I'm gonna pass out now. And with that, he took the false bride home. This is not my future bride. He said with the intent of rhyming. Fuck all of you, you fucking lie. But the stepmother anticipated such a thing. I haven't tried my other daughter yet. And the process played out once again. When the shoe didn't 
didn't quite fit. The stepmother took her second daughter aside and said, You need to chop off your heel. Oh my god, mother, no. Chop off your heel so you can be queen, you dumbass. Oh my god, fine. And so the mother chopped off her daughter's heel and they crammed her foot inside the shoe. Here's your future bride, Mr. Prince. Uh, All right, well, it fits. That seems to check out. And so the prince took his future bride on his horse and carriage and went off. But once again, that little white bird and the pigeon sat there and they said, There they go, there they go. There's blood on her shoe. Her shoe is too small. Not the right bride at all. And again, the prince looked at her foot. Like, ouch. Holy fuck, you were bleeding a lot. Who said that? And again, he turned his horse around and he brought the false bride home. I'd appreciate it if you'd stop maiming your children to trick me. And why don't you try putting a slipper on my foot? Said the evil stepmother who presented a bloody stump of a foot. Oh, God. No, thank you. Have you no other daughters? No. Well, there is my other daughter from my earlier wife, said the rich guy who had just gotten back from business. I just had some successful business. And she's a garbage person. I demand you bring her before me. Also, we should probably get a doctor over here or something because you guys are all bleeding out pretty bad. Now, before Cinderella appeared, her little white magic bird plus that little pigeon showed up. Hey, let's get you cleaned up, bitch. They washed her face and hands, and they did up her hair all sexy. And when she appeared to the prince, she curtsied. Oh, look at this stupid bitch. One of the sisters said, but the prince was optimistic. I should probably remember the face of the woman that I fell in love with, but I am confident in those feet. Then Cinderella sat down on a stool and drew her foot out of the heavy wooden shoe, and her foot slipped perfectly into the golden one. And when she stood up and looked at the prince, the prince said, Oh, fuck, now I remember your face. Okay, sorry about that. Faces are hard. And he cried to his entourage. This is her. We found her. You can tell everybody. They put their feet away. Good job, everybody. Oh, Started to stink. Yes, and the stepmother and stepsisters were fucking thunderstruck. What do you mean this bitch is the right bride? How'd you get out of the house? Yeah, you weren't supposed to go, you dumb bitch. Yeah, dumb bitch. But the prince was like, you know the royal family can just have people killed whenever, right? Oh, fuck. And as the prince passed by the graveyard a third time, the white bird and the pigeon cried. Hey, there they go, there they go. No blood on her shoe. <laughs> hey, the shoe fits great. Now go procreate. Okay. Oh. And the two birds landed on Cinderella's shoulders and followed her around, pooping on her shoulders and shit, because that's how birds are. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. And when the wedding between Cinderella and the prince came, the two false sisters came hoping to curry favor. Hey, Cinderella, it's your favorite sister. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And so after the party on their way home, the two false sisters had their eyes pecked out by birds and were condemned to be blind for the rest of their days because of their wickedness and falsehood. And later when Cinderella became queen, she became a tyrannical monster and put her people through decades of war and famine. God damn it, the end. Okay, that's the Cinderella story. And the Skycast lawyers are standing by waiting for Disney's phone call. Now, what did we learn, children? Well, first, that Disney changed the shit out of that story. Also, we know plenty about talking animals and not to trust him. And then I guess Brothers Grimm thought karma worked. Good luck with that shit. See you next week, children. Skit scats for your earballs, bitches. Skit scats for your earballs, bitches. Steve, I'm just a guy trying to find my place in the world with my interlude rhymes. Well, Zach, you smell like the crack. The crack of a Zach who never learned to wash his ass because he's whack. And ooh, Steve, that fucking hurts me bad. It's not an insult, motherfucker. It's a truth, however sad. No, 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 wait. I thought we had a truth about the interlude. Well, you called me out, you stinky cunt, so still we are a feudin'. Ooh, a motherfucking interlude. We roll into your life like a family feud. The scat's like fucking nation, it begins with you. Skit scats for your earballs, bitches. Ooh, a motherfucking interlude. We roll into your life like a family feud. The scat's like fucking nation, it begins with you. Skit scats for your earballs, bitches. Well, Steve, I'm not sure I've been clear. It seems we are competing. I've murdered you so fucking hard, your contacts I'm deleting. I'm not settling for all this bullshit, condescended tribe. If you've got something to say. 
So wild you can crack under the pressure of your ego A mammoth sets out to crap Shots fired, Steve, but I don't give a fuck, I'll go get Tim's Well, a garbage can with Google eyes would be better than him That's true Ooh, a motherfucking interlude We roll into your life like a family feud This guy's like fucking mission, it begins with you Skip scats for your earballs, bitches Ooh, a motherfucking interlude We roll into your life like a family feud This guy's like fucking mission, it begins with you Skip scats for your earballs Earballs, bitches. Skip scats for your earballs, bitches. Skip scats for your earballs, bitches. It's Scott Kessner's three rhymes. <laughs> really fairy tales, but whatever. Well, shiver my shit biscuits, chitrins. I'm somewhat not horrified to see you. And boy, do we got some fuckery for you today. It's the story of Beauty and the Beast, written by some French guy. There's love, adventure, bestiality. It's basically the ugly duckling on crack, but with animal fucking. It's Nurse Fay rhyme time. Once upon a time, there was a wealthy merchant named Roderick Houston. Now, call me Rod. And old Rod had three daughters. And he named them Grace, Hope, and Honor. I named them after my favorite virtues. Well, that sounds like some hippie shit to me. What's a hippie? Doesn't matter. When the young daughter, Honor, was a child. Hello. She asked her father if she could be renamed. Wait, you don't like your name? If I'm gonna be named after a virtue, I'd like it to be beauty. No, that's not pretentious at all. And so the nickname stuck. And as she grew older, she kind of regretted the nickname. Here I am named beauty. She said to herself, yet I'm plain and my sisters become more and more beautiful and socially adept. And she grew sad for herself. I wonder if I should change my name again. She pondered. Is hot and bothered a virtue? But it was not. Damn. And beauty watched as both of her sisters had important romantic relationships. Goddamn, I need some vitamin D. Now her sister Grace became engaged to one of her father's ship captain. Oh my god, I hate you, bitch. She said to herself upon meeting her sister's future husband, his name was Bob Tucker. Bob. And we're not giving him a voice in this story because, well, he's gonna die in a second. Oh, shit. And her other sister was engaged as well to a blacksmith. I'd let him pound my anvil. Beauty thought to herself inappropriately. Oh, shit, sorry. And the blacksmith's name was Gervain Woodhouse. He could stack his wood in my house. She thought disgracefully. You know, this is my private space. Fuck off. She said, mad at the narrator about her own dating situation. I have a lot of dick pics in my inbox. Beauty thought to herself before the advent of cell phones. Oh, yeah, sorry. Right, well, one day, their wealthy Father Rod had every single one of his ships lost at sea. Ah, uh, Mr. Houston? Yeah. You know how you have a successful shipping company? I'm aware of it. And how you employ a bunch of people? Yes. Right, well, you're bankrupt now and everyone died. Balls. The deaths included Grace's husband to be Bob. Sad. And in an instant, the family was destitute. Oh, I'm sure this won't affect my value as a man at all. And they were forced to move to the countryside near Gervain. That guy steams up my forge. Beauty. Well, I'm just saying he could punch my cone mandrel. Are those blacksmith things? Get the fuck out of my inner thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And their new life in the countryside was weird. So I take it there is no room service? There is not, no. Balls. And a year passes, and the family slowly adapt to their new lives. This sucks donkey-ass father. She complained. I know, I know. He agreed. I understand if you love me less. Not a lot less. And then one day, a letter comes in the mail. Father, look, a letter. It's not a subpoena, is it? I don't think so, here. And inside the letter he read, It says one of my ships is arriving back into port. Could old Bob have lived? Maybe Bob lived. And so with optimism in his heart, Papa Houston prepared to leave immediately. Be careful, Papa. Beauty said as her and her sisters bid her father farewell. I'll bring Bob home, you know, if he's still alive. He said as he rode off. Thank God. I have a ship left, he thought. I need to get an income going so I can deserve love again. And off he rode on the long, perilous journey. Now, he didn't return home for an entire month. But when he did, he returned alone with a rose in his hand. Father, what happened to you and what's with the rose? Holy fuck, have you ever heard of werewolves? And he explained his crazy story. So there I was, he said. I just found out that Bob was dead. Oh, yeah, sorry, Grace. Uh, Bob's dead. But back to my werewolf story. He digressified. So I'm riding home and this crazy fog engulfs me. He said, doing wild hand gestures. And I got lost. And I came across.
across a mysterious castle. And being lost and hungry and tired, I knocked on the door. And you're not going to believe this next part. And he told the story how inside he was given shelter and waited on by invisible servants. I swear to God, there was a talking clock and a seriously horny French candle. Okay, father. I'm not kidding. There was even a talking toaster. And the daughters were concerned for their father. I think that's fine. Right. But he continued his fantastical story. So I only stayed for a night. And as I was leaving the next day, he saw that there was a beautiful rose garden. I love roses. Beauty said. I know. So I picked a rose for you. Oh, how sweet. Yeah, well, the owner of the castle turns out to be some kind of werewolf or some shit. What? Yeah, and he was fucking pissed. Oh, no. And explained how furious the beast was. That after all his hospitality, Houston would steal from him. I gotta say, he's like seven feet tall. I was scared. And the daughters hugged their father. We're just glad you're home. Except I'm sad Bob is dead. Right, sorry Bob's dead. Yeah, uh-huh. sorry. But we did get a ship back. Yay. But it was immediately taken as compensation for all the wrongful death lawsuits I have against me. Oh, balls. Right, so we shall remain destitute. <laughs> Bob. There's also one other terrible thing. He said, clutching the rose with a look of dread. What is it, father? Well, the beast imprisoned me. And after a couple weeks, he let me go on the condition that one of my daughters must return and live with him in the castle forever. What? I'm not it. Despite the pleas of her family, Beauty insists that she goes. I will go, father. What? I don't understand. Well, you said they had room service, right? And so Beauty went into the woods. I should have asked for directions. But eventually she was engulfed in that foggy mist shit and was led to the castle. Oh, that was fucking easy. Knock, knock. As she knocked on the massive castle door, it immediately opened. Oh, fuck. Hello. But she could see no one. But she could hear little voices in the darkness. I'm coming in. And so she stepped inside, looking around at the beautiful tapestries. Holy fuck, I am walking down that staircase in a ball gown. She said, admiring everything. And in the darkness, she heard footsteps approaching. Hello, who's there? And from the dark came a voice. <laughs> Hello, bitch. Are you the owner of the house? <laughs> Follow this toaster to your room. She looked down at a little toaster. Oh, hey, girl, I'm toasting the toaster. Wow, there really is a talking toaster. And the voice said in the darkness. <laughs> hey, don't try to run, bitch. <laughs> oh, I'm here to stay. Hey, then why don't you marry me? Well, for one, I can't even see you. And for two, you're coming on a little strong. Hey, take her to her room. He said in anger. And Beauty was frightened by him. Tone that the fuck down, dude. But the beast had disappeared in the darkness. Oh, follow me, lady. The little toaster said. What the fuck's his problem? She asked a toaster. Oh, let's not go there. Here's your room. And her room was amazing. This is amazing. Yeah, sorry for the bars on the window. It's fine. And that evening as she laid down, she couldn't sleep. I miss my home and my family. This was stupid. My dad's a fucking idiot. She thought to herself. Then she thought dirty things about her sister's fiance. I'll house your wood with my face. Goddamn, beauty. Get the fuck out of here. But she couldn't pop her bean all night, so she got up out of bed. I wonder if he locked me in here. And she checked the door and found that it was open. All right, let's check this fucking place out. She said as she walked around the castle, she opened the door to one room and it was full of 50-gallon drums of flea and tick medicine. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? She thought to herself. Inside another room was sex toys and lube. I should have definitely done a background check. And door after door, she kept finding weird shit. What the hell is going on here? Then a new voice came from the darkness. This is where the master keeps his chew toys. The voice startled Beauty. Who's there? She said. Oh, hey. She said a little teapot coming into the light. Oh my god, a talking teapot. You shouldn't be snooping around. Right, I'm sorry. Is your name Mrs. Potts? Yeah, it's Ms. Potts. Oh my god. And this is my son, Crack. I don't know my father. It's likely he was a plate, but I don't know. There was a lot of us in the dishwasher. Oh. And several talking inanimate objects seemed to come out of the woodwork. Hello, I'm Clock Man. Okay. <laughs> I am a talking candle. Eh? Did that candle just pinch my ass? The French candle was pretty much a sexual present. Oh, no, no, no. Wee, oui, wee, oui, candle man. Watch the movie. Oh, sometimes it no means a wee. Oui. Whatever. All the talking appliances sang her a song and made her food and shit. Be our guest. I touch your chest. I put my wick between your breasts. Was there a candle trying to fuck me? And for weeks, awkward shit happened. The talking things would sing and dance. And each night, Beauty would have dinner with the beast. But it was the first night in which she saw his face that changed everything. <laughs> He's coming in. Give me a little kiss. Fuck off, candle man, with your little wig. No, no, no. Get just away. Uh, do you want me to poop on you? Why does this candle want me to poop on you? Get out of here, you pervert. The master's coming. Uh, which one of these is a solid fork? It doesn't matter. Brace yourself. And Beauty was kind of freaked. Holy shit. Calm blue oceans. In through the nose. Out through the mouth. My sister's fiance is comforting ass. And then the beast entered. And he sat at the other end of the long table. And they didn't speak for a while. Why won't he say 
anything. And then he spoke. So I guess you've been in my Vaseline and chew toy rooms, eh? He said taking a bite out of a turkey leg. Oh, fuck, I'm going to end up with rabies. She thought to herself, look, I was just exploring the castle. Hey, well, stop doing that shit, eh? Well, you can't just keep me locked in my room. Hey, you're not locked in, eh? Well, there's no instructions here. Is there, like, a gym or something? Hey, I know of a James, eh? No, it's like a workout place. Hey, you work out at the James? No, it's called a gym. I guess you could call it a James. Hey, I'm going to go do some squat thrusts at the James. Hey, what the fuck are we talking about, eh? And the beast once again scared Beauty. Fuck off, dick. And she ran to her room. And that evening, he came to the door to apologize. I'm sorry, bitch. Go away. Hey, no, no. Marry me, bitch. Fuck you. And each night, they would have dinner. And each night, he would lose his temper. And then apologize and ask her to marry him. Hey, marry me, bitch. And each night, she would refuse him. Get fucked, furball. But as time went on, she grew to enjoy living in the castle. Room service is a game changer. She said private chefingly. Platypus egg omelet, please. Oh, my wicker buns for you. No. Nope. And soon, she made many changes to the castle. Now, this is a gym so nice, I'd call it a James. And so, she named her gym the James. And forever, the people in Scatcastville called the gym the James. But what's going on? Fourth wall shit. Never mind. Get back to the thing. I think you were doing the thing. You threw off the thing. Oh, that's right. She made the castle her own. What have you done with my military decorations? eh? The beast yelled. Oh, you mean all that tacky testosterone shit? Eh? Well, I was able to store most of it in your mayonnaise-only room. Stay out of my room. Listen here, bitch. Eh? This is my fucking house, too. And as Beauty asserted herself, the beast started to soften towards her. Come on, marry me, bitch. No. At least give me a little kiss on the cheek. I think I might be allergic to your fur. But I am curious whether you have, like, a normal penis or, like, one of those red rockets. Eh? And Beauty started to truly enjoy herself. And she spent that fucking beast money like a motherfucker. Hey, what is this shit? It's a magic mirror, so at least I can see my fucking family, she said. Hey, that's a good compromise, okay. He said not flying off the handlingly. Look at you acting like a big boy. Yes. Who's the big boy? Me. Who's the buddy? And Beauty found that treat training and positive reinforcement were the best ways to train a beast. I'm a good beast. Who wants a meaty treat? I do. And so whenever the Beauty was homesick, she would look into the magic mirror. Oftentimes, she would just focus on Gervain Woodhouse, you know, kind of when he was taking his shirt off and stuff. Quit judging me, narrator guy. Now, besides watching Woodhouse, she watched the inner workings of her family's life. Look at the V on that blacksmith fucking. And one of the things she sees is her sister Grace agreeing to marry the local minister. No, Grace, you still love Robert. And as a soap opera of her family life unfolded, Beauty begged the beast to visit her home just for a bit to tell Grace that she shouldn't marry that douchebag. He's not right for her. Robert could still be out there. Hey, please marry me. No, you're not listening hey, to me. Look, bitch, you can never no, leave. Just let me go this one week, and then I will come back, and I'll never leave again. And reluctantly, the beast agrees. If you don't come back to me, bitch, I will eat your entire fucking town. Oh, fuck. And he goes hey. so far as a pinky promise. I fucking pinky promise. I promise to murder the whole county. And so when she arrived home, her family was ecstatic. Welcome home, beauty. Welcome home. And the family embraces her and they have a great time. It's so good to see all of you, she said, but something was off. My sister's fiance's ass is fantastic, but I don't care. During the day she spent with her family, she found herself missing the beast. What is this, Stockholm Syndrome? And it certainly was. But her feelings for the beast were true. I wonder if he does have a red rocket. Now, when the family learned that she was going to return, I promised I'd go back to him. Well, he's like a werewolf or whatever. Kind of a perpetual dog man. Really? Yeah, dude goes through like 13 chew toys a week. Wow. That doesn't include dog biscuits and rawhides. During this trip, Beauty told her sister not to marry the minister, and also that she had a magic mirror that she was spying on him with, which definitely changed the energy in the room. What? It's not like I'm oogling anyone's husband or anything. But the family begged her to stay. But on the fifth night of her week's stay, she had a terrible dream of the beast dying. Like a bunch of hunters mistook him for, like, a beast. And so they, like, shot at him and stuff. So Beauty said goodbye to her family. Don't marry that minister, he's a cunt. And when she arrived at the castle, she indeed found the beast near death. Oh my god, what happened? I went to town to check out the new squeaky toys. I told you never to go to town. I had this disguise on me. The glasses nose with mustache is not a good disguise. They shot me with arrows and shit. Realizing her true feelings in that moment, or a victim to the Stockholm Syndrome, as we've discussed, she said to the dying beast, Oh, you furry, psychotic, flea-bitten maniac, I will marry you. And as she kisses the beast, two things happen. I knew it was a red rocket. And then something magical. What's happening? And before her eyes, the seven-foot-tall, muscle-bound beast she fell in love with what? shrinks down to a normal man's size. Oh, no more red rocket. Hey, 
hello, this is my real face. Oh, okay. And now I am a handsome prince again. I mean, handsome's a stretch, Your right? deep love for me on the inside uh, is what freed me from a magical curse. And then he told her the story about a magical curse and how he was cursed mm-hmm. and stuff. And now that he was just a mortal man, she kneed him in the balls. <coughs> she ran around smashing stuff. <gasps> for what neither the beast nor the beauty knew was that Mrs. Potts was the witch that put the curse on everybody. Oh, yeah, it's Miss Potts. Right, sorry. Yeah. Don't curse me, I'm just a narrator. Yeah. And that Miss Potts had a fail-safe on her curse oh, yeah. that turned beauty into the beast. Oh. And for 500 years, she ravaged the towns and villages near her castle until she was ironically and or serendipitously killed by... Van Helsing? No, it was actually medical malpractice. Are you serious? Yeah, but here's a strange thing. Oh. It was the beast's great-great-great-great-grandson who killed you. Is that ironic or serendipitous? I don't know. Wait, if I'm dead, who the hell are you and how am I able to talk to you? Well, not all dogs go to heaven, Belle. Wait, who's Belle? Don't play stupid with me, beauty. Yeah, we probably should have ended this like a little while back. That's probably true, beauty, yep. who's not named Belle, right. who in a clever twist became the beast and now is being dragged to hell. Yeah, we get it. It's pretty stupid. Well, we thought about naming you Belle in the beginning and making you werewolf hunter. Okay, I can't tell if this is less stupid or that's less stupid. Whatever. And the beauty burned in hell forever. The end. And that's probably not good. But hey, we already fucked up Cinderella too. Why not? Not sure what the morals of any of that was. Uh, vanity something? Love people for abusing you? Oh, also women are not property to trade for freedom. Unless there's a werewolf involved. Bye-bye. Hey there. Hey. I'm just like you. Hey. I love my family. I love my country. And I love my freedom. Okay. And when I'm looking for a bank, I'm looking for an institution that shoots straight. Right. Well, that's why I'm here standing with my fake family to tell you about the Federal United Cash Keepers Union. What? It's a different kind of bank. Is your checking free? Maybe don't include all the things that aren't free. Okay, do your ATMs ever work? They're all currently being repaired. God damn it, that sounds like every bank that exists. We're different. Well, tell me at least you're conveniently located. Well, certainly. Oh, good. Especially if you like going into big grocery stores and doing your banking next to a child slapping his mother. Okay, again, that sounds like just about every bank that exists. So you're wondering what makes the Federal United Cash Keepers Union different. I guess. Well, like all banks, we use fractional reserve banking and yeah. common compound interest to confuse the fuck out of you and make us rich as cunts. Different. I said different. We added a salad bar. What? Now when you bank at the Federal United Cash Keepers Union, you can have salad. What the fuck? Not available in most locations. Did you say you have a salad bar? Some locations have opted for non-dairy ice cream stations. What does that have to do with banking? Plus you can try our new app that lets you add filters to your selfies. What? I'm a puppy. I'm a puppy. I'm overdrafted. Cute. (laughs) I'm using a $1,200 phone to look into my bank account to see that I have $3. That's a weird kind of poor and I'm a pony. The Federal United Cash Keepers Union is dedicated to your money, even poor-ass cunts like you. So come pay our service fees, enjoy our anxiety-inducing customer service, and come experience our gaudy church-like buildings. And enjoy a salad or ice cream, because bankers are as American as apple pie, and baseball, and the war on drugs. Wait, what the fuck? The Federal United Cash Keepers Union. We're thankful you don't know how money works. A time once upon, a truly great Jedi Master there was. Anakin? But fall to the dark side he did. You are my brother, Anakin. And straight to shit the universe did. Go who? Master Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Anakin, why? Much sadness there was. Padme. Padme is dead. From what? What? She died from a broken heart, I guess. But Darth Maul lived and we cut him in half. Well, women, right? Huh? When no longer the Jedi Order isn't. What are you doing, Master Yoda? Hard to talk like this it is. Brain frazzle I have. Do you want to lay down for a minute, Master Yoda? No. Trailer I am making. Disney contract I am fulfilling. Oh, okay. New series I am promoting. Oh, another one? Kathleen Kennedy producing. Oh, that should be great. Like Yoda was saying. Go ahead. Every generation a hero it has. And a destiny they must stand to meet. Also new 
new characters these are. Look out! Hey, I'm a cute little CGI thing. Beep, beep, boop, beep. I am a funny robot. Ha, ha, ha. When the force it calls to you, oh. the strongest and most worthy only will heed its call. Oh, Milsa? Yusa. Oh, no! Coming to Disney Plus this December? Anakin, fuck! I'm sorry, my master. Why? I just fucking hate sand. Only one hero can bring balance to the universe. You must. Oh, no, no. Jar Jar, you must. Milsa, Marie, Marie, no one to. Jar Jar! Misa, a Jedi now. Yes, but we do not grant you the rank of master. Oh, poodle. I love you, Jaja. Misa, no, Misa, no. Oh, where did everyone go, son? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Anakin, what the fuck? Misa, must save the galaxy, sir. Oh, shit, not more younglings. Save us, Jar Jar. Oh, oh. Save us, you must, Jar Jar. Misa, try. Oh, oh Jar Jar. Oh, 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 Misa. Jar Jar, coming to Disney Plus because they don't understand what you want. I love Eat Fresh. It is delicious and can be brought to my house for me. I also like Eat Fresh. It is better than actual food. I eat fresh every day and think the lasagna is good. I am actually a fan of the lasagna as well. Why go to grocery stores and eat food that is fresh when you can eat food that says it's fresh? That podcast hosts are saying that is good. I like podcast food. So when I think food, I think Eat Fresh. I hate farmer's markets. Eat Fresh. Get your frozen pre-cooked meal. Today, I was eating fresh earlier, and I totally don't feel sick inside. And I am also sure that my diarrhea is not from this weird food. Namaste. Sleep, sleep, little baby. Sleep, little baby, you sleep. Scottcast is here to harvest your fears and show you the horrors of life. It's Scott Kessner's Rudy Rhymes. <laughs> really fairy tales, but whatever. Well, hey there, you little whiny dihydrogen monoxide bags. Yeah, it's time to remove the innocence of childhood. Okay. So you can be cynical cunts like the rest of us humans. Cynical. This is a Scatcast retelling of Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid. Yeah. And it's dark as fuck. Ooh. Once upon a time, in the deepest, bluest, clearest part of the ocean, lived the sea folk. Now, when a lot of people think about the bottom of the sea, they think about dirt, just bare white sands as far as the eye can see. But that would be bullshit, and you probably already knew that. It's actually a whole ecosystem with flowers and trees and all sorts of shit. You've seen National Geographic, let's move on. Now in the deepest part of the ocean rises the palace of the sea king. And it was bougier than any bipedal simian had ever dreamed of. It was made of giant shells and pearls, you know, sea shit. Now let's meet some of these assholes in the story. First there's the sea king. I'm the sea king! And despite living a life of pure opulence, I powder my butt with pearl dust. The sea king was a bit sad, for he had been a widower for many years. I knew I shouldn't have had my ex-wife executed. Yeah, live and learn. And the sea king had his old mother keep house for him. That's my boy. What'd you say, mom? Boy. Get out of my room, Mom. And the king's mother was a very clever woman, very proud of her noble birth. I'm a rich bitch. Therefore, she flaunted 12 oysters on her tail while the other ladies of the court were only allowed six. I'm twice as good. Now, except for this, she was an altogether praiseworthy person. Yeah. Particularly so because she was extremely fond of her granddaughter. Look at my flourishing jeans. These lovely mermaids were known as the sea princesses. And there were six of them, all very beautiful. But it was the youngest of them that was the most beautiful of all. Yep, I'm playing the beautiful princess again. And her skin was soft and tender as a rose petal, and her eyes as blue as the deep sea. Yeah, I'm fucking hot, touch yourself. But like all the others, she had no feet, for her body ended in a fishtail. That's literally what a mermaid is. I'm just reading the story, ignore me. Right. Now, all six of the little princesses would just kind of lay around the palace all the time. There's really not much to do. But to demonstrate the kindness of our littlest princess. I am very sweet. Every day, the guards would let fish swim into the castle. And most of the fish were quite weary of the mermaids since they ate them. Fish are delicious. But the little fishes would trust the little mermaid. Here, little fishy fishes, here's a treat. And one in particular would eat right out of her hands. Hey, little buddy. Oh, hello. You like these little treats, don't you? You wouldn't by chance have any coffee. I don't know what that 
that is. But uh, I'm going to name you Flounder. Well, but I'm not a flounder. Your name is Flounder, and you will like it. Please don't hurt me. And the little fish became her best friend. Flounder, you're my best friend. Okay, little. Now, outside the palace was a big garden with flaming red and deep blue trees. And in this garden, blah, 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 bougie as fuck, each of the sea princesses had their own little plot of land. And they each grew beautiful sea flowers. And they made shapes and shit out of the flowers, because, you know, why not? It's not like we have PlayStations. Yeah, right. Ignore me. Whatever. And the oldest of the princesses made her garden in the shape of a whale. And the second oldest in the shape of a squid. And the third made it in the shape of a dick, because, you know. Cindy's a bit of a rebel. But the youngest of the little sea princesses made hers in the shape as round as the sun. Flounder and I only collected the most beautiful red flowers. Right, Flounder? Whatever, little. For you see, the sky below the ocean was as blue and beautiful as the sky above the ocean. Really? Seriously, ignore me. That's kind of hard. Do your best. Look at that beautiful sun. She said, staring directly at it, which didn't hurt your eyes like it would if you were above the surface. Seriously? Goddammit, child. Right, ignoring. This was an unusual child. Rude. Quiet and wistful. And when her sisters decorated their gardens with all kinds of odd things they had found in sunken ships, nope. she would allow nothing in hers except mm. flowers as red as the sun. None of that trash in here, thank you. Except for one pretty marble statue. I love this statue. The statue was of a very handsome young man throwing a discus or some shit. Look at those abs. It had sunk to the bottom of the sea from some ship that had wrecked. Seriously, dude's got like a ten pack. And next to the statue, she planted a beautiful tree and just drooled at the bow. Oh, look at that V. And she fantasized about meeting the young man. Give those glutes a good squeeze. Now, because of this, nothing gave the youngest princess such pleasure as to hear about the world of human beings above her. Tell us more about the dirt monkeys, Grandmama. She would say to her old grandmother. And don't leave out the steamy parts about the butts. And the old grandmother had to tell her all she knew about ships and cities and the people and animals. That sounds fucking tight. But her grandmother's stories about fragrant flowers covering the land appealed to her the most. Wait, flowers smell pretty too? For the flowers at the bottom of the ocean smelled like fish piss, because, you know, fish piss. Yeah, I live in fish piss. And when she learned of the sky fish, you know, birds. Sky fish. And that they could sing. That is so cool. She longed to hear them for herself. Grandmama, I want to see a sky fish one day. And then the grandmother told her of her rite of passage. I'm listening. She told her that one day when she turned 15, she would be allowed to rise up out of the ocean, sit on the rocks in the moonlight to watch the great ship sailing by. Oh my god, that's so exciting! She said at Flounder as she squeezed the poor little fish tight. Look, look, I'm a little. Oh, sorry. Sounds dangerous. No. And the little fish was right, it would be dangerous. And the grandmother explained that when the time came for the little mermaid, if she fucked around, she would indeed find out. Oh, don't worry, grandmother, I'll be careful. But she would absolutely not mean that. I kinda mean that. Ignore me. Right. The next year, right. one of the sisters would turn 15. But it would be five long years before the youngest sister would have her chance to rise to the surface. This sucks. But because each sister was spaced out like a year apart, each year a new sea princess would go to the surface. And each year they would promise to tell the others what they had seen. Tell me everything, okay? I'm trying to get some coffee. What even is that? That's a juice of burned beans. Weird. I don't coffee. And the littlest princess couldn't wait to hear her sister's stories. Tell me more. Make it up. I don't care. And for one who was so quiet and wistful, she was certainly the most eager of them all. Oh, to see the surface. And many a night she stood by her window and looked up through the dark blue water where the fish waved their fins and tails. Oh. She could just see the moon and the stars. Yeah. To be sure, pretty. their light was quite dim. But imagine for a second seeing a giant whale shadow flying over the face of the moon. Kind of pretty, right? That's less pretty when they take a 200-pound shit above your head. We've all got our problems. Oh. Ignore me. Right. Oftentimes, she would see the shadows of ships go across the moon. Look, Flounder, a ship. I guarantee they got coffee. And while she daydreamed of life on the ship, there was no chance that they knew there was a pretty young mermaid down below thinking of them. Hey, you think there might be a mermaid down there thinking about us? Just shut the fuck up, Rob. Hey, fuck you, Clifford. So the eldest princess had her 15th birthday and was given permission to rise up out of the water. Oh my god, I'm so excited for her. And when she got back, she had a hundred things to tell her sisters about. Bitch, you tell me everything. And she did. But the most marvelous thing of all, she said, was to lie on a sandbar in the moonlight when the sea was calm and to gaze at the large city on the shore where the lights twinkled like hundreds of stars. Oh my god, kick ass. And she talked to the music that they played and the dancing that they did. And the youngest sister listened with an uncomfortable intensity. Bitch, tell me about the dancing again. And the eldest sister talked about the church towers and spires and the ringing bells. And she was sad that she wasn't allowed to enter the city for she had longed to do that the most. And the youngest princess thought to herself, I am for sure going in that city. And the youngest princess's infatuation with the top side grew. It would be so rad to not be a 
goddamn mermaid. And every day she would sit in her garden and look up at the sun and just stroke the statue's abs. You're naughty. I'm not naughty. You're naughty. And at night she would float at her window and look up into the sky, imagining the sounds of the city and the church bells and dreaming of that whatever dancing was. I would throw the fuck down on that shit. The next year her second sister had permission to rouse up to the surface. Oh my god, bitch, so jealous. She was allowed to swim wherever she pleased. And she chose to come up just at sunset. And when she returned, she said the spectacle was the most marvelous sight she had ever seen. What a fucking sunset? You didn't go to the city? But the second sister just described, you know, pretty watercolors of the sky. Boring, what a waste. And another year passed, and the little sea princess's infatuation increased. Who's got the cutest little tushy? She said, honking the statue's booty. Yeah, can I get some privacy, please? Yeah, ignore me. Yeah, you're in my thoughts. Fair enough. The following year, her third sister, the one that had the penis garden. Oh my god, I love her. She was the boldest of them all. Bitch, you're my only hope to learn things for a year. And the third sister promised to bring back some cool shit. Oh my god, Flounder, I'm so fucking jealous. Back off, bitch. Now the third sister went way further than the others, even swimming up a river that flowed into the ocean. And when she returned, she told her sister of amazing sights. What do you mean they poop in the streets? She told her of the glorious green vine-colored hills. Goosh. And of the palaces and manor houses that could be glimpsed through the splendid woods. Boosh. She told of the bird songs and the sun that shone so brightly that she had to dive underwater to cool her burning face. Fucking tight. Then the third sister told of a story of a school of mortal children. Children, you say? And these children were just paddling about in the water all naked and shit. Oh, Hans Christian Andersen. And the third sister saw they were having fun and she so wanted to play with them. But she explained as she approached that the children became very scared. Oh, no, why? She didn't know, but the kids ran away. Oh, fuck, then what happened? And then came a little animal, which you and I would know as a dog. Was it too? And the little bastard barked its ass off at the third sea princess. No, it probably thinks it's people. But she said it barked so much that she had to get the fuck away from it because it was obnoxious, some little dogs, you know what I'm saying? No, I really don't. Well, that's right. Yeah, I'm very ignorant right now. But despite the third sister's fright, she couldn't stress how much the splendid woods and the green hills and the nice chitron made her day. And she was blown away how the little humans could swim around without having fishtails. Well, you are my favorite sister. And then another year went by. But let's just say the fourth sister was not nearly as adventurous as the third. God damn it. Or even the second or the first. Come on, Stephanie, please. But the fourth sea princess had no desire to even go above the surface. Stephanie, you prolapsed cloaca f- All the fourth sister did was just stay among the rough waves, looking at the fucking sky. God damn it, bitch. And another year would have to go by. And it did. Now it was the fifth sister's turn. Yes. And her birthday came in the wintertime, so she saw things that none of the others had seen. The sea was a deep green color, and enormous icebergs drifted about. Each one glistened like pearls under the moonlight, and their icy structure rose into the sky like the tallest spires built by men. Oh my god, what did you see, bitch? And she said she seated herself on the largest of the icebergs. Cold booty. And then she talked about ships sailing by her. Oh my god, did they see you? And they had, and the fifth sister explained that the sailors were frightened of her. What? Why? You're beautiful. But nonetheless, the sight of a mermaid with a fishtail and all fucking scared the shit out of people. Whatever, I still want to hang out with people. And she doubled down on her fantasies again. I have a pretty weak support group, and I'm very keep to myself. Now, as the little sea princesses grew into adult sea princesses, the excitement of going to the surface seemed to fade. Oh, come on, tell me more. But each of the sisters, including the dick flower sister, they're my favorite, became indifferent to the experience of surfacing. Oh my god, you're ruining this for me. But still, there were many nights that the older sisters would rise to the surface, arm in arm, all five in a row. Jealous. And they had beautiful voices, and they would sing. And their melodies were more charming than those of any mortal beings. And when a storm was brewing and they anticipated a shipwreck, they would swim before the ship and sing most seductively of how beautiful it was at the bottom of the ocean. Now, it wasn't because they were evil. They didn't know that humans couldn't breathe underwater because, you know, human-mermaid relations were pretty bad. And to be honest, the sea people's schools were just awful. Illiteracy rates through the roof, but that's a different story. The major problem was when the mermaids sang, the people could not understand their song. Hey, you hear that singing? Yeah, that's Satan. And they mistook it for the voice of the storm. And when their ships hit the icebergs and their bodies hit the icy deep, the five sisters were appalled to learn that all the fucking dudes drowned and only dead corpses would visit the Sea King's palace. Note to self, humans kind of suck at breathing. She said, realizing she could breathe oxygen and fucking water like a badass. Right? Fuck yeah. Now, on the evenings when the five mermaids rose arm in arm and breached the watery surface, their youngest sister stayed behind all alone. Fucking traditional, stupid goddamn. And she would just watch them from under the water. I am so 
fucking jealous. And the mermaid wanted to crab it. Fun fact. A mermaid has no tears because they're in water. And therefore, mer people suffer more. That's stupid. It's science lady. Deal with it. Whatever, sis. Damn it. I wish I was 15. She said, shaking her fist towards the sky. I know that I shall love the world up there and all the people who live in it. And she looked over at Flounder for some reason. Oh, don't hug me. And she grabbed her little fish dog and she squeezed its ass tight. Then you're coming with me, you little bastard. Oh, that's not a good idea. And then time did what time did. And eventually, the little mermaid had her 15th birthday. Now I'll have you off my hands, said the grandmother to the youngest mermaid. Before my grandkids, you've been the biggest pain in the ass. Sorry, Grandmama. And then the Grandmama proceeded to adorn the little maid's hair like she had done with her sister. Oh, that fucking hurts. Oh, and the grandmother yanked and pulled. Goddamn, Grandmama. But the old lady didn't give a fuck. And then she got to the tail. Oh, God. And I remember Grandmama had 12 oysters on her tail because she was a badass. And to her youngest granddaughter, she granted eight. Oh, that's okay. I don't need eight or even, you know, any. But she got eight. Oh, fuck. And they heard a fuckload to apply. Uh, why the fuck? But the grandmother assured her that she would have to endure quite a bit of pain. Okay, that's ominous. The little mermaid wasn't interested in all this bougie shit on her. No. Nope. And would have been happy to wear a red wreath of flowers from her garden. Yep. But she didn't dare make any changes and she said goodbye. I am so excited. And for the first time in her life, she swam to the surface. Oh, wow. And we'll be right back after these words. Oh. These words, get it? <laughs> now the sun had just gone down when the little mermaid's head rose above the surface. Holy Zeus, it's so beautiful. Now even though the sun was gone, the clouds still shone like golden roses. Wow. And in the sky, all the fucking stars were visible just about in the moon. This is fucking tight. The air was mild and fresh, but the sea uh, still smelled like fish piss. Yeah, big time, it's all just fish piss. But for the first time in her life, she smelled something else. What is that, bacon? And something deep inside of her awakened for bacon. I'm shaking for bacon or something. Now it just so happened there was a ship going by. Oh, I hope they're not wearing shirts. And there was music and singing all through the day and into the night. And the little mermaid watched as they lit their lanterns. And she longed to be part of it. Fuck it. She said as she swam right up to the window of the main cabin. I have to see them. She said hormoningly. Just a peep. And each time the waves swelled, she could peep in through the window. And she looked at awe at the brilliantly dressed folk within. Holy hello, beefcake. She said as her eyes met the most handsome of them all. And now I'm infatuated with him. And it just so happened he was a 16-year-old prince. Bonus. And it also just so happened that it was his birthday. Nice. And the reason for the celebratory singing and a dance. Ah, you fucking guys, you got me. The prince said with his soothing and young voice. This is a hell of a surprise party. Bruno, is this you? Uh, guilty as charged. Uh, I really had no fucking idea. Check this shit out, boss. His buddy said as he lit some fireworks off. Ah, fuck yeah. And the sight of the sky exploding scared the shit out of the little mermaid. Nope. And she went directly under the water. They note self, humans seem a bit destructive and or aggressive. But soon she peeped her head up above the waters again. And it seemed as if all the stars in the sky were falling around it. Whoa. She had never seen such fireworks. And blah, blah, blah. She thought it was cool. Blah, blah, blah. Disney song, probably. Oh. But in the light of the fireworks, she really noticed one important detail. I'm in love with that fucking prince. She couldn't take her eyes off the prince as he laughed and smiled and shook people by the hand. The music that played that night became her favorite song. That's my fucking jam. And the smell of exploded gunpowder and fish piss became her favorite smell. Oh god, yeah. Now her newfound love for this man she had never met had caused her to lose track of time. It got very late but the little mermaid could not take her eyes off the ship and the handsome prince. Oh, just ten more minutes. She said every ten minutes. Leave me alone. And soon all of the lanterns of the ship went out and everyone went to bed but still the little mermaid was riding the waves and could see in the windows. Please take your shirt off. Please take your shirt off. She said, peeping mermaidingly. What? This is a long story. Leave me alone. You leave me alone. God damn it. I might need a snack. Hold no, on. Don't come back. I'm just going to keep watching oh, the window. Okay. Oh, yeah. Please take your shirt off. I'm fine. All right. Now that I've had a snack and my calorie intake is up, Yikes. the little mermaid realized there was a storm of brewing. Yeah. And in no time, a storm was upon them, and the sailors were quick to act. We need to pray to God more. <laughs> and the tall ship pitched and rolled as it sped through the angry sea. The waves rose up like towering black mountains as if they would break over the masthead. Isn't nature awesome? Now, to the little mermaid, this seemed like good sport, but to the sailors, everything was fucked. Your Majesty, I don't think we're going to survive. Well, that's a hell of a party. Didn't even check the weather, huh, boys? The ship creaked and labored, and thick timbers gave way under the heavy blows. Try harder! 
Huge waves broke over the ship and the main mast snapped in two like a breeze. And just like that, the sailors were in the ashy water. Oh fuck, I forgot they can't breathe in water. And the little mermaid sprung into action. I gotta save that hottie. And the little mermaid dodged people in peril and beams and wreckage as she searched for that handsome prince. Here, hottie, hottie. And the storm raged with lightning, making everything visible in a second and then everything dark again. Okay, that's not ideal. And when the ship broke in two, Ooh, shit. that's when she saw her prince sink beneath the waves. Yay, I get to hang out with my prince. And then again, she remembered how the water would kill them if they breathed it. Oh, fuck. And she swam as fast as she could towards the wreckage, dodging more planks and beams and flaming shit. I'll save you, hottie bo body. And avoiding all the shit, she finally got to him. Hey there, I'm Ariel. She said, blushing a little bit. Oh, fuck. And she realized he was dying. Let's get you some oxygen. And she quickly brought him to the surface. Oh, okay, there you go. And she let the waves take them wherever they went. No one's killing my future husband. She said as she stroked his hair. Mm. They popped out a little snot bubble. Okay, gross, but not a deal breaker. At daybreak, when the storm was over, not a trace of the ship was in view. The sun rose out of the waters red and bright, and its beams seemed to bring the glow of life back to the cheeks of the prince. This is some nice cheekbones. But despite this, his eyes remained closed. One day you're gonna marry my fishy ass. The little mermaid said as she kissed his high and shapely forehead. And we're gonna have a whole litter of little half-human, half-guppy babies. No, no, sleep, my prince. And at that moment, Flounder came up. Oh, what's the Oh my god, Flounder. Hello. Will you help me get my future husband to some fucking dry land, please? And together they took him to shore, a place where there was a church and some people, so they thought that'd be good. So they swam into the little harbor and they dumped his body. You'll be safe here, my love, she said, giving him a final kiss. And just as the bells of a great white building began to ring, Ariel went back to the sea. And she swam away behind some tall rocks that stuck out of the water. And she covered her hair and shoulders with the foam so that no one could see her tiny face. And she watched to see who would find her poor prince. And it didn't take long before a young girl came upon him. At first she seemed frightened, but only for a minute. And then she called more people. And the mermaid watched as the prince regained his consciousness. Holy shit, what happened? He said, looking at the beautiful girl's face. You saved me. He said with a dreamy smile. God damn it, fuck that troll. The little mermaid said as she realized he wasn't smiling at her. That bitch did not save you. She said not loud enough for the prince to hear. Ain't this some shit? She said as she sadly dove into the water and returned to her father's palace. Now the little mermaid had always been quiet and wistful, and now she became even more so. Life is suffering. I am pain. Everything is meaningless. Her sisters were shocked by this, and they asked her what she had seen. Oh, you know, just my own heart smashed on a rock with a hammer, she thought to herself, but she would tell her sisters nothing. One of them will just blab to dad, and this will just turn into some stupid. And instead of telling a soul, she instead spent many evenings and mornings revisiting the spot where she had left the prince. Oh, if you only knew that it was me that saved you, she would say. Then we could have our guppy man babies. Each time she visited the spot, she hoped to see the prince, but never did she see him. Damn. So each time she would come home more sad than when she had left. This is probably not good for me, she said to her little fish friend, Flounder. It was her one consolation to sit in her little garden and throw her arms around the beautiful marble statue that looked so much like the prince. Oh, abs of stone, you never let me down. But the little mermaid had changed. I'm emo now. And she took no care of her flowers. In fact, she started to plant black flowers. I listen to the Smiths now. And she dyed her hair black and locked herself in a room for weeks at a time, listening to like sunny day real estate and typo negative and shit. Are all sentient things sad? And finally, she had to tell her secret to someone. She went to her sister that had the dick garden. Bitch, I'm in love with a human. And unfortunately, that sister could not keep a secret. Oh, goddammit. Immediately, all the other sisters heard about it. You were my favorite. And word got around to enough mermaids that eventually a mermaid who knew who the prince was found out about it. And she told the little mermaid all about where the kingdom was where the prince lived. Oh my god, yes! And when the other five sisters found out, they grabbed up the little mermaid arm in arm and they began a long, arduous journey to find that their prince. Road trip! 
Uh, let's get some coffee, bitch. And they swam their little fishy asses straight to where that prince's palace stood. And while it wasn't as magnificent as the sea palace, yeah, my dad's basically a god. It was still bougie as fuck, with gold glistening stone and great marble staircases, oh. one of which led right down to the sea. Goddamn, hottie bow body. She looked around at the magnificent buildings. Some of them were domed. That's pretty cool. And there were giant pillars all around the buildings and marble statues that looked most lifelike. Does everyone here have tiny little peens? And through the clear glass of the lofty windows, she could see into the splendid halls with their costly silk hangings and tapestries. Whoa. And walls covered with paintings that were delightful to behold. Yeah, we do not paint under the sea. Right, and blah blah blah, more pretty stuff. Oh, come on. Blah blah blah, architecture. Bougie, bougie. Okay, here we go. Fuck. Now that she knew where he lived, phase three. She would often just spend a bunch of time in the sea, just looking in his window. Please take your shirt off. She'd even sleep there. I love you. And she would swim much closer to the shore than any of her sisters would dare venture. I would do anything for love. And she even went far up the narrow stream, under the splendid marble balcony that cast its long shadow into the water. Okay, a lot of people have pissed in this. And there she found a very secluded place to watch the prince. My love for you is not creepy at all. And on many evenings she saw him set sail out on his fine boat, with music playing and flags a-fluttering. And of course she would follow him. I've already had to save his sweet ass once. But the sailors were usually wasted and they never seemed to notice. Yikes, real mature guys. Uh, did you hear that? Was it a demon? It was a person's voice. Well, demons sometimes talk like people. Whatever. Now, on many nights when the little mermaid was out, and she saw that her prince was going to be just fine, she would venture out and listen to others. And she'd often follow the fishermen as they'd come out to sea with their torches. And she beamed with pride when she heard them talk about how kind the prince was. Yeah, I heard the prince is like nasty animals. One of the town folks said to another. Yeah, that's the hell yeah. The little mermaid said to Flounder. You hear that, Flounder? He's nice to animals. Whatever, he probably eat me. No, that's fair. And as she listened to the villagers, she felt proud for saving him. And she thought about how softly his head had rested on her breast. Very softly. And how tenderly she had kissed him. So tenderly. But then she realized he knew nothing of all of this, nor could he ever dream of it. Balls. As she spent increased time with her head above the waves, she increasingly grew to like human beings more and more. I mean, not the burpee farty ones. Right. Or the ones that are mean to animals. Right. Or the ones that are rude to their waiters. That's not cool. Got it. Anyway. Or the ones that don't take their shopping carts back. They tend to be cunts too. Right. Hashtag not all. We get it. Life is complicated. Okay. Their world seemed so much bigger than her own. Because yep. I guess she didn't know how big the ocean was or something. No, not really. But it was amazing to her that they could skim over the sea in ships and mount up to the lofty peaks high over the clouds. And their land stretched out into the woods and fields farther than the eye could see. But it doesn't smell like fish piss. You'll find there's many kinds of piss that the earth smells like. I want to smell them all. There was so much she wanted to know. And there was no way her sisters could answer all her questions. Yeah, they're actually all super annoyed with me for asking so many. So she went to her grandmother to annoy her. Grandmama, I need your help. <clears throat> if men aren't drowned, do they live forever? No. Do they die like we do? Not exactly. And the grandmother explained that mermaids live 300 years, while humans only live for a third of that at the best. Oh, that's sad. But then she also learned that mermaids didn't have eternal souls. But excuse me? But humans did. Dumb. You see, when mer people died, the grandmother explained, they became sea foam and eventually ceased to be. Okay. But when a human died, even at a young age, their eternal spirits would dance with the Lord. Well, that's not fair. Why weren't we given an immortal soul? The little mermaid asked sadly. I would gladly give up my 300 years if I could be a human only for a day. At least then I'd have an immortal soul. But the grandmother warned her not to think this way, and assured the little princess that they were much happier down in the realm that they were, and their 300 years granted them a much fuller life than the dirt monkeys. I do not think you're understanding the concept of immortality. And Grandmama was not that amused. Look, Grandmama, is there anything I can do to win an immortal soul? And the grandmother hemmed and hawed. Grandmama. And finally she explained that there was a way. I knew it. But it was almost impossible. That makes me want it more. You see, if a human loved the little mermaid so much that she meant more to him than his own father and mother, if his every thought was focused on her, then somehow the power of him just being a dude would grant her a heavenly soul. Okay, well, that's weird. But goddamn, don't get a divorce. Right, that's what it sounds like. Fuck. But the grandmother was very clear. This would probably never come to pass. And she warned that her beautiful tail would be seen as monstrous by the dirt monkeys. I wouldn't mind having legs, she said, looking unhappily at her fishtail. And the grandma caught on. And she suggested that they have a party. I guess. And reminded the princess that she had 300 years to live it up. And then, bam, eternal darkness. Right, well, anyway, blah, 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 they threw a huge party, 
It was bougie as fuck. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone powdered their butts. But the key takeaway from this party is that the star of our story just so happened to be a fantastic singer. Well, I am classically trained. And more so than any of her peers. Oh, I am pretty good, yeah. And the kingdom loved her voice and she sold like millions of records. Well, they're actually on seashells. Right, remember a long time ago when you were supposed to ignore me? Yeah, we've pretty much been going back and forth now consistently. Right, well, fucking ignore me. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the only time she was happy was when she was singing. She loved the sound of her voice, whether it was in the sea or on the land. I'm every fish girl. It's all in me. Right, that got stupid real fast. Excuse me. Anyway, when the performance was over, her thoughts dwelled on her prince in the world above. Oh, my sweet, sweet prince. And more than anything, she longed to have an immortal soul, because fuck. Right, because duh. Who knew mermaids didn't have souls? That's certainly not something that Disney told us. So anyway, after her performances, she was sad, and she would just sit in her garden, squeezing the buttocks of the statue. And this feels like a good time to take a potty break. Yeah, we'll be right back after this. Here we go. Oh, yes, die, you smurf fox. Oh, my God, I wish I understood the chemistry and physics behind why this feels so good. It's like our tinkle screen steals their souls. Yeah, that's fucking dark. We're urinating on people to death. Yeah, but they're tiny blue people, right? I'm gonna get that orphanage, yeah. Wow, nobody should ever go to scatcast.com and buy merch. This is ridiculous. It'd basically be supporting pure evil. Yeah, those Marnia map blankets are pretty damn soft, though. Oh, God damn it, I'm running out and there's still a ton of Smurfs. Whatever, we should get back to the Disney marathon. Oh, yeah, now back to the show. Now, weeks had gone by and the Little Mermaid had given things a lot of thought. No, I really have. Yeah, sadly, it's not gonna seem like it. What's that? You see, the Little Mermaid had learned of a witch. Okay, you're ignoring me now. She was a sea witch and probably an evil one at that. And she decided the sea witch was the only one that could help. I am getting a fucking immortal soul and I'm gonna marry that guy. And so off she went on an arduous journey. For the witch lived in a wasteland under the sea. And there was like sharks and jellyfish and whirlpools. And no flowers grew, just fugly trees. And there were volcanic gases burping and farting throughout her path. And some of the plants looked like hundred-headed snakes growing out of the soil. Their branches were long and they had slimy arms with fingers like wriggling worms. Right, it's the sea. It's fucking sea stuff. Right, whatever. Hans Christian Anderson people didn't fucking know about this. Right, well anyway, it's under the sea stuff. Right, well these weird plants would grab shit. Oh, heads up. So many of them had the bones of fish and even some dead bodies of men. And one even had the carcass of another little mermaid. Holy shit. Her heart thumped in fear for she had known that little mermaid. Goddamn Becky. And for a moment she was paralyzed with terror at the sight of Becky. But the idea of an immortal soul drove her forward. I'm gonna get me a fucking soul and I'm gonna get me the prince and I'm gonna have me a fucking happy ending. And on she swam to where she thought the witch was living. Ugh. And as those weird plants tried to grab her, she punched them. <laughs> Back off, worm bitches. Oh yeah, and Flounder was with her because you know Flounder. <laughs> right, so blah blah blah, they kept traveling. Blah blah blah, passed by the bones of men and sunken ships. Hey. Blah blah blah, reach a muddy clearing in the forest. Yeah, excuse me, could you stop blah blah blahing my story? No, we're getting to the good part here. We got snakes yeah, coming. A little respect, please. Right, well, she came to a place where big fat water snakes were slithering about. Okay, Flounder, do you know how to kill snakes? I do not. Yeah, me neither. But in the middle of the snake filled clearing, the little mermaid saw her destination. Flounder, look. Oh, that doesn't look good. It was a house built of the bones of shipwrecked men. And there on the porch sat the sea witch. There she is, Flounder. Where are you going? Oh, he left. And the witch just sat there staring at her, letting a toad eat maggots out of her mouth. Dogs, that's, yeah, okay. Not sanitary. Not really. Come to me, my little chickabitties. She said, referring to those ugly water snakes. Oh, and Jesus. they came to her and crawled all over her spongy boobs. That's my babies. And the little mermaid approached. I know exactly what you want. The sea witch said. Oh, good. That makes this easy. The little mermaid responded. It's very foolish of you. The witch warned. Yeah, but you should see this guy. She retorted. Plus, he's nice to animals. It doesn't hurt that he's a prince, huh? And the two went back and forth in a Disney song kind of way. Look, witch lady, can you help me or not? Oh, you shall have your way. Yes. But it will bring you grief. No, I don't want that. And my sweet, proud princess, you will get rid of your tail. Okay, and get legs? Yes. All right. And you have to stumble around like a dumb human creature. I was hoping for that. Well, you're going to have to have the prince fall in love with you. Right, I've heard this before. And then and only then can you have an immortal soul. Right, I heard all this before I came. Well, here's something I bet you don't know, Miss Smart Gal. Okay. You just so happen to come on the only day of the year I can help you. Well, that seems super convenient. It is very convenient. And the witch went on to explain. I'm going to make you a potion that you drink. Okay. You're going to drink it tomorrow when the sun comes up. Can do. And here's what's going to happen. 
happen. Mm. Your tail will divide and shrink until it becomes what people on Earth call a pair of shapely legs. Okay, is it gonna hurt? It's gonna feel like a sharp sword cut you from your tail tip to your cloaca. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it gets worse. What? Do you want the good news or the bad news? Give me some good news. The good news is I'm giving you the power to be the best dancer ever. Really? Yeah, you're gonna dance your fucking ass off with these legs. Fuck yeah. I'm also gonna give you a nice twerkable tushy. Thank you. Yeah, okay, you ready for the bad news? I guess. Now, every step you take is gonna feel as if you were treading upon knife blades that are so sharp that they cut to the bone. Okay. I mean, every fucking step. <sighs> so I'm willing to help you if you're willing to go through this kind of pain. Well, I came all this way. You're really willing to suffer like this for a man? Well, it's really for that soul. You're willing to suffer? Yes. The princess said in a trembling voice. I'm willing. She thought of the prince and gaining a human soul. Remember, said the witch, witchingly. Once you've taken human form, you can never become a mermaid again. Right, no turning back. You can never come back through the waters to your sisters or to your father's palace. Right, banished forever. And if you don't win the love of the prince so completely that for your sake he forgets his father and mother, right. then you don't get an immortal soul. Right, this all rests on a dude that met me basically when he was unconscious. And also, if he gets married to someone else, right. then your heart will break on the very next morning and then you'll die. I'll just drop dead. Actually, you'll become sea foam. Fuck it, I'll take it. I'll take the risk. And as she said this, the little mermaid turned pale as death. Oh, also, you need to pay me. The witch said shrillingly. And it's no trifling price that I'm asking. What is it? Whatever it is, I'll pay it. Well, you have the most beautiful singing voice of anyone down here at the bottom of the sea. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Right, well, I'm sure it would captivate the prince into marrying you straight away. Right, I'm certainly counting on that, yeah. Right, well, you can't have your voice anymore. What do you mean I can't have my voice? I'm taking the best thing that you have in return for the potion. My God, witch, why such a steep price? Because I have to put my own blood in this shit. Okay. And my tinkle. Seriously? It's mainly the blood. You're paying for the blood. And for the first time in this process, the little mermaid pumped her brakes a bit. Wait, if you take my voice, she said, then what will be left of me? And the witch smiled a big creepy-ass smile with, like, Disney creepy music behind it. And she said, Why, you will have your lovely form, your right. gliding movements, and your eloquent eyes. Okay. With these, you can easily enchant a human heart. You know, I'm having second thoughts. What, have you lost your courage? No. I know you want an immortal soul and some hot princess. I do. And I want your pretty voice. You are serious. Yeah, I'm gonna cut your tongue out of your stupid face. You're just gonna cut it off straight away? No anesthesia or something? Bitch, I was just feeding maggots out of my mouth to a toad. All right, fine. And so the witch did a bit of cackling. <laughs> right. yep. yeah, and she went straight to work. Yeah. She hung her cauldron over the flames and started throwing all sorts of shit in her. We need a new butthole of cat. Butthole. Testicle of rat. I should do two rat nuts. Then she turned to the little sea princess and looked deep in her eyes and said, You're gonna wish you never did this. Then she cut herself in the chest and let her black blood ooze into the cauldron. Oh, God. Then there's another big ominous musical number. Right, let's skip that for sure. Right, blah, 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 singing. And eventually the evil witch handed Ariel the potion. Easy potion. Now stick out your tongue. And you know what happened, Chitrin? The witch cut the fucking little mermaid's tongue off and she could no longer sing or talk. Enjoy. And so the little mermaid with her voice gone and potion in hand, she set out to fulfill her mission. But before she left the depths of the sea, she took a final look at her father's palace. I'll miss you, father and sisters. She couldn't properly say goodbye for she knew it would break her heart. But she snuck as close as she could and blew kisses to her sisters. And then she floated up towards the surface. And we'll be right back after some stupid bullshit. We're born into this world like a cannon blast into a wall of sharp-ass farm implements, and we begin the ride of life. Now, your back probably won't start off hurting, but it might, but it damn sure will end hurting, I'll tell you what. And don't get me started on tooth pain. Quickly, you realize your life is a first-person working simulation. Your mom and dad want you to do shit. That's all good, boy. We love you. Clean the room. Go to school. Eat your grandma's terrible food. Do your chores. Wash the dog. And when you're done with school, we're proud of you. You graduated. Get to work. Be valuable or die. In that moment, we choose a lot of things. I joined the armed forces. I'm a pilot. I 
smoke weed all day. Only fans, bitches. And we find ourselves with a life filled with experiences. I'm pregnant. Oh shit, fired. Oh shit, I want a divorce. Oh shit, I'm living with mom. Uh-huh. They canceled Serenity. What the? F- there'll be ups and there'll be downs. I love you, daddy. Nice. I hate you, daddy. Balls. And everyone you know will probably betray you for arbitrary reasons, but who gives a fuck? Wait, what? You're not here to keep score. You're here to eat shit, fight, and fuck. Wait, what? Don't waste your life. Live it to the fullest. Did you just pull your dick out, sir? I did, and I barely regret it. So when you've lived a life of adventure and whipped your dick or tits out when you felt like it, when the ride of life starts to wind down, remember, Depends will be there for you when you're shitting yourself. You earned it, badass. Depends. You lived the adventure of a lifetime. Now you have to sit in your own shit. At least do it with a name brand. By Huggies. I'm back to the Little Mermaid. I'm Flounder. The sun had not yet risen when Ariel emerged from the sea and looked at the prince's palace. This better be fucking worth it, she thought to herself as she climbed the splendid marble staircase, the moon shining and clear behind her. And there under that moon she drank the potion. Oh my god, I'm drinking old lady piss. She thought as she chugged it all. And it was as if a two-edged sword struck through her frail body. She was transformed. And where her tail once was, now she had two legs and two feet and ten toes. Okay, at least she didn't scam me. And then Ariel passed out from the pain. And there she lay for quite some time like she were dead. But when the sun rose over the sea, she awoke and felt a flash of pain. Oh, that hurts. She thought. But directly in front of her stood the handsome young prince. Now this is convenient. Instantly she was self-conscious because, you know, she was naked. Oh, Hans Christian Anderson. Her long-ass hair covered everything. It was fine. Fuck, I hope he offers me some clothes. And as she looked down, she noticed her tail was gone. Look at those sexy legs. And she was happy. Except for, you know, every time she took a step because it hurt like fuck. Ow! Worth it. Ow! Still worth it. Now immediately the prince asked, Hey there, naked lady, who the hell are you? Her deep blue eyes looked at him tenderly but sadly, for she could not uh, speak. Holy fuck, you're missing a tongue. And he took her hand and led her into his palace, with every footstep being more painful than the last. Ow! It's worth it. Ow! It's worth and it. And despite the pain, she moved as lightly as a bubble as she walked beside the prince. Wow, you move so gracefully, my dear. And the little mermaid just smiled. Oh my god, it's working. She thought, and everyone who saw her walk thought, Wow, what a graceful bitch. You know it. Now, of course, the prince had her all dressed up in nice clothes. And because this story is the way it is, she of course was objectified for her beauty and was considered the loveliest person in all the palace. But at the time, the prince didn't really see her as his love, but more like a little sister. You can't friendzone me, I'm hot! And while she would hang out with the prince, sometimes his servants would come and sing. And one sang much more beautifully than the others. And it pissed her off something royal, cause she knew she could outsing that bitch any day. On my worst day. And then she thought to herself, If only he knew that I parted with my beautiful voice forever so that I could be near him. And never once did she think, wow, I'm kind of a weirdo. Yeah, excuse me? Yeah, nothing, it's about your time to shine. Bring it. She thought to the narrator, so he can understand it. Yeah, this is getting strange. Anyway, they had some music going, and just as the witch had said, the little mermaid could cut a motherfucking rug. Mm, Aldous hurts, Aldous hurts, Aldous hurts. And no one had ever seen anybody dance like her. And blah, 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 she charmed the shit out of everyone. Oh my god, don't blah, blah, blah this part. And blah, 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 she invented some dance move. I call it the phantom fishtail. And just like she wanted, she had charmed the prince something fierce. Wow, you are something else. He said with a big smile. Oh my god, maybe I will get my happy ending. She said to herself, and she danced day after day, time and time again. And she entertained the prince so fiercely that he kept her by his side all the time. Girl, I love seeing you dance. And he even kept a velvet pillow outside his door so she could sleep there. I don't get a room, I get a pillow outside the fucking door. Yeah. Fucking Hans Christian fucking Anderson. Yeah, don't hate the messenger. Eat shit. Ignoring this, but the prince loved the little mermaid. He had dresses made for her and little outfits so she could go on horseback with him. And they would take her on rides so she could see the birds and smell the woods. And for the first time in her life, she couldn't smell fish piss even a little bit. It's fucking beautiful, man. And with the prince, she climbed to the highest mountain. Ow, it's worth it. Ow. And although her tender feet would bleed so that all could 
see. She would smile and laugh and follow him until they could see the clouds driving far below. This is a pretty good life. Ow, it's worth it. Ow. Now at home at the prince's palace, while the others slept at night, she would go down to the broad marble steps to cool her burning feet in the cold seawater. I'm starting to think that maybe chasing a man isn't worth all this effort, she thought, but then she remembered the immortal soul. Yep, it might not be worth it. And as she sat with her feet in the water, she thought about those that she left behind. And even though she couldn't shed a tear because she still had that mermaid DNA, you know, her sadness reverberated throughout the sea. And one night when she was dangling her feet in the water again, her five sisters came by arm in arm, singing sadly as they breasted the waves. Mm-hmm. Of course, she couldn't talk, but when she held out her hands, they knew who she was. Well, obviously I have the same face. And they told her how unhappy that she made all of them. Now again with the family guilt. But despite the sisters' sadness, they came every night to see her. And one night in the distance, she could see her grandmother and her father. They stretched out their hands to her, and she swore she could hear her father say, You did this to yourself, you dumb idiot! And then they disappeared under the surf. I'm not sure I missed that. Now, day after day, she became more dear to the prince. But again, it was more like a child or a sister. God damn it. Certainly not a potential brat. I'm gonna have to pull my hair back and get fucking serious. The very existence of her immortal soul was on the line. This is fucking ridiculous. It's up to a man to decide your worth. Get used to it. Fuck you, narrator. Right, well, anyway, she started to develop some kind of body language with the prince. Look into my eyes, you dumb bastard. See that you are going to be my husband, fuck. And her eyes seemed to say, don't you love me best of all? Uh, even though I don't know your name, you are most dear to me, for you have the kindest heart, the prince said as he would kiss her forehead. I don't have a kind heart. Check out my sweet ass. And then the young prince admitted something very important. You see, you look very much like a young girl I once saw. And the little mermaid's eyes perked up. You see, I was on a shipwreck once, and the waves cast me ashore near a holy temple, and I was saved by a girl that looks just like you. And Ariel couldn't fucking believe it. It was me, you jackass fuck. You see, this young girl found me beside the sea, and she saved my life. And she was appalled to hear that. I saved your life way before that, bitch. I only remember little glimpses, but that's the only woman I could ever love. And the little mermaid was confused as fuck. Where does this leave me? You see, you remind me of her so much, you almost replaced a memory of her in my heart. I think that's creepy and wrong. That sounds creepy and wrong. And the confusion and weirdness grew. I have to live with the fact that this motherfucker doesn't know that I saved his life while I'm right in front of him knowing I saved his life. And over time, that pissed her off. Fucking A right. Especially since right in front of her eyes, the prince would flirt with other gals. Oh, great. And she would give the stink eye to all the girls that came around the prince. You are literally the death of me, bitch. She would say to herself. Unbelievable. But she remembered the witch's words. You're gonna regret this. Now, rumors arose that the prince was to wed the beautiful daughter of a neighboring king. Oh, come on. Now, because of this marriage, a big, beautiful ship was built, and they made a huge ordeal about the journey. Now, I gotta make this big, huge journey, but I want you to come with me, the prince said to the little mermaid. You know it, bitch. She thought, nodding her head. I'm supposed to visit this beautiful princess for it's my parents' wish, but you know, just like I do, I can't love her. Because you love me, you jackass. She raged in her head. For she does not resemble the lovely maiden in the temple as you do, and as I would choose a bride, I would rather choose you. But the little mermaid knew this half-assed attempt at a compliment and weak-ass attempt at a proposal would not satisfy that eternal soul shit. Oh my god, jackass, I am the one that saved you. How do I do this in trades? And after the prince told her these heartfelt words, he kissed her on the mouth and he played with her hair a little bit, and he laid his head against her heart, and in that moment, she dreamt of her immortal soul. Here we go, happy ending. Please, happy ending. And in that moment, she had hope. And we'll be right back after this shit. From the people who brought you the shake weight. I'm getting toned, baby. And the ass blaster extreme. Two, three, oh, I'm sorry. Comes the ultimate in home cooperative fitness. Oh, fuck, here we go. It's a scat flex gangbang 69,000. Yeah. Get fucking fit with seven stations. Accommodates up to 32 holes. What the fuck is going on? Scat flex gangbang 69,000. Only a free admire. Hey, it's Schmack from Jack in the Box here. You guys are high as fuck, right? Well, yeah. Talent. You guys should fucking eat my food. Well, we are pretty hungry. 
Don't you guys have weird stuff? Oh, we have the weirdest fucking stuff. Like what? Yeah. Dude, you can get a cheeseburger, a teriyaki bowl, and a taco from me. Well, what happened to Jack? Well, it was either fire Jack or cut back on the amount of sauces that we give out. No. And we knew you guys wouldn't like that. Well, I want a burger with like an egg on it. I will deep fry a panda's asshole and put it on a burger for you. Get the fuck in Jack in the Box. Do you guys have curly fries? We've got curly fries. Yeah. Regular fries. Yeah. Chili cheese curly fries. Yeah. Baked bean and broccoli potato wedges. Yeah. Scalloped potatoes. Yeah. Potatoes are gratin. And if you're a dick to some of our employees, for sure mashed potatoes. Oh, babe, we should go to Jack in the Box. I don't know. I could go for some chicken. We fucking have that. Maybe like a fish nugget. We'll whip something up. I want mozzarella sticks. We have deep fried everything. Yeah. Here at Jack in the Box, we'll deep fat fry a fucking napkin for you. Whoa. Ew. Just get in our fucking restaurants, you goddamn filthy potheads. Jack in the Box. We're open 24 hours because drugs never sleep. Now back to the Disney stuff. Now the prince and the little mermaid boarded the ship. Oh, it's worth it. Oh, it's worth it. And the prince, not knowing the background of his beautiful companion, turned to her and asked, You're not afraid of the sea, are you, my child? And Ariel smiled. And the prince told stories of monsters underneath the waves and of lost kingdoms and many other wonders that divers had seen. If you only knew, bitch. And she could only smile, for no one knew about the bottom of the sea as well as she did. The irony hurts worse than my feet do. Now while they traveled on the boat in the clear moonlight, when everyone except the man at the helm was asleep, Ariel sat on the side of the ship gazing down through the transparent water. And she could tell by the stars or some shit that she was near her father's palace. Now maybe I can get a good glimpse of it. And through the water she could indeed see the palace. Oh my god, it's grandmama! She thought to herself as she could see her grandmama. She was standing on the topmost tower and she could see her back. And her five sisters could also see her and they quickly swam to the surface. They looked at her sadly and they waved as the boat moved on. She smiled and waved back. And with her body language she tried to let them know that all went well and that she was happy. But then along came the cabin boy and her sisters dove out of sight. And for a brief second she thought she saw her friend flounder before he too dove under the water. Little fucking traitor. Now the next morning the ship came into the harbor of the neighboring king's glorious city. And all the church bells chimed and trumpets were sounded from all the high towers. And there were soldiers lined up with flying banners and glittering bayonets. And every day had a new festivity as one ball or levee followed another. And there were gladiator games. They fed Christians to lions. They burned Christians at the stake. And they lopped Christians' heads off and played soccer with them. You may have noticed the Christians did not forget about that shit. But anyway, back to the prince and the little mermaid. While the new kingdom was throwing parties and having a good old time, the one thing the prince had not seen was a potential new queen that had yet to appear. You know, I heard the reason she's not here is because she's being brought up in some faraway sacred temple. The prince said to the little mermaid, she wasn't impressed. I'm sure she's the hoe. She thought worrying about her immortal soul. But according to Hans Christian Andersen, the little mermaid was curious to see how beautiful this princess was. And as it turns out, she was hot as fuck. Oh, God damn it. When the potential queen-to-be showed up, the little mermaid was like, Oh, I'm fucked. This lady looked like the people that drew Jessica Rabbit sculpted her out of meat. That's a little far. Shut up, this is the longest skit scat of all fucking time. Right, that's fair. The little mermaid thought to the narrator. Right, I'll ignore you. And to make matters worse, the prince recognized the princess to be. I know you. You're the one that saved me. The prince said to his queen to be. And this crushed the little mermaid. No, I saved you. That was the one that just found you after. I'm so happy. The prince exclaimed, throwing his arms around the princess. I've never been so happy. The prince said, clasping the blushing bride of his choice in his arms. My fondest dream that I never dared to hope has come true. And with that, the dream of the little mermaid died. I had my tongue cut out for this shit. You will share in my great joy, for you love me more than anyone does. The prince said to the stranger he just met. And as the little mermaid's heart shattered into a thousand pieces. She kissed the prince's hand, for she knew on the morning after his wedding day that she would be dead and turned to watery foam. I may have made a couple rash decisions here. Now we fast forward to the day of the wedding. All the church bells rang out and heralds rode through the streets to announce it. Hear ye, hear ye, rich fucks are doing shit. And upon every altar, sweet scented oils were burning in costly silver lamps. Priests were out in the streets swinging incense, and all the brothels were having an all-you-could-eat buffet. The kingdom was feeling great, and then the bride and groom said, I do. And that was my short life, yeah. And the little mermaid who was adorned in silk and cloth of gold ironically held the bride's train as she silently wept throughout the entire ritual and her thoughts turned away from the prince that she once loved and now turned on her last night upon the earth and on all that she had lost in this world. Okay, I definitely made a couple bad choices. That same evening, the bride and bride
bridegroom went aboard the ship and consummated the fuck out of that marriage. Cannons thundered and banners waved and blah 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 they went on a boat cruise. Blah 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 Little Mermaid reminisced. Also kind of pissed. Blah 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 she did one last dance to the cheering of a bunch of assholes. Made her feet hurt cause of you know blah blah blah. The party lasted long after midnight and she laughed and danced despite the fact that she hurt like fuck and that she was gonna die in the morning. And blah 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 some kind of like sad shit. Goddamn dude come on this is the end. Right we find the Little Mermaid just perched over the bow I guess of the ship and she knew at the first red hint of daybreak she would be dead. Well, goodbye, cruel world. But then she saw her sisters rise up from beneath the waves. They were as pale as she, for they had also visited the witch. And the little mermaid noticed right away that they were also shaved bald. Oh my god, what did they do? And they told her that they had given their hair to the witch so that they could send help to her no. to save the little mermaid from death. Oh, you dumb, amazing bitches, no! The oldest told him how they were given a knife. And if the little mermaid stabbed that prince right in his dumbass rich heart before sunrise, and you know, she bathes in the blood a little bit, oh. that her feet will grow together, she'll become a mermaid, and she come home again. Oh my god, sisters! And the sisters implored her to make haste. There was a prince or her. One of them must die before sunrise. Then blah blah blah, their no, grandmother lost her no, hair because no, she was blah, so blah, grief-stricken and they guilted her blah blah blah. This is my life, you're blah blah blahing. So it was kill the prince or, you know, die. Well, this whole thing turned out stupid. And the sisters gave the little mermaid the knife and sunk back into the sea. Damn it. And so the little mermaid snuck into the cabin of the prince and his new bride. And standing over them with the knife in hand as they slept, the little mermaid bent down and kissed the little prince on his forehead. And in his sleep, he murmured the name of his new bride. Yeah, put your finger in there, Jessica. And she felt a rage well up inside her. You fucking douche. And the knife blade trembled in the mermaid's hand. You penis-owning scum. But then something came over her, and she hurled the knife out the window into the waves. All right, Hans Christian Andersen, you fucking win. And with one final look at the prince, the sun began to rise, and she hurled herself over the bulwarks into the sea, and she felt her body dissolve in foam. But something strange and magical and beautiful and wonderful happened. Blah, 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 some religious shit. She became like an angel kind of thing, but without wings. Blah, 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 happily ever after the end. Holy shit, that was a long one. Wake the fuck up, Chitrins. Come on, come on. All right, so I would say that was a bit of a hasty ending, but I would say the moral of the story is children are stupid. Most of the decisions you make when you're a teenager will haunt you, and definitely do not chase that dick. See you next time, you little waste of carbon shit machines. From California, favorite human in the world and wife to me, Mrs. Scriptkeeper! Yep, love of my life right there. And starting at Shitbox Wizard, from Indiana, Donald Fisher! And starting at Discord, Dookie Slayer, from Ohio, Chris Chris Brooks, Chris Brooks. And starting at Scat Cats Quartermaster from Texas, 900-time Time Suck Trivia Champion, Bodie Sonietta! That's right, Bodie Sonietta. Dipshit Files Researcher. Also starting at Button Pusher, Steve the Button Pusher guy. That's right, and then we have, you know, Tim the Intern, who sucks. Yep, that's right. That's good, that's good on you. Info at scatcast.com. Scatcast.com for merch. Yes, Tim sucks. Patreon.com forward slash scatcast to help us. Five bucks a month gets you the inside scooper, which gets you all sorts of extra shit. And as always, we'll talk at you in the future. It'll seem like the present. Bye. <laughs> Bing, bang, 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 bang,